In a world where one Zane Relaford is a substitute teacher in X Middle School. All right, kids. Um, uh, I guess just kind of hang out. In a world where he has to get the class all with a B average, and if he doesn't, the AV Club podcast could end up being canceled forever. All right, class. Let's all just focus up. Put down all of your phones and stupid things. Just. Just get out a piece of paper and start writing. I don't care what you write about. In a world where Zane's too distracted from his from his personal woes to even focus on class and decides in a moment's decision to jump out the classroom window. Uh, kids, hold on for a second. I just realized I need to jump out this window. Um, <laughs> oh, God, how's the best way to do this? In a world where all windows have giant vats of pudding underneath them to save you from hurting yourself. Zane, thank God he's not lactose intolerant. All right, I don't know where this pudding came from. Can somebody move this pudding? It's very large. What are you guys doing in this school? In a world where the cooks have decided to experiment with new high-drying pudding that more closely resembles glue than pudding. How will he get out of this? Kids, I'm going to need you to grab, like, the meter sticks and start, like, digging me out of here. Yeah, I... No, no, do not touch the emergency shower. Do not. (laughs) In a world where we're actually in America, so we wouldn't use meter sticks, we would use rulers, because, come on, I mean, who wants to go back to the metric system? In a world where we're already in the metric system, no matter who doesn't want us to be in it. Hey, 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 this this ain't Canada. We're not going back to metric. What, what, uh, what, what, kids, what, can one of you remind of, me if we're in Canada or not? <laughs> in a world where one of the narrators is fucking the other one's mom. Hey, Guys. hey! <laughs> <laughs> in a world where one narrator's wife left him <laughs> for the delivery man. In a world where one narrator felt the need to curl up in the fetal position and weep to himself. Am to I, be continued. Am I still here, guys? Am I? Can I just go back to teaching? In a world where one narrator cries himself to sleep every night over a bucket of rocky road and every episode of Days of Our Lives. I'm going to say class dismissed real quick. Um, in a world... <laughs> Oh, their relationship is so pure. In a world where one narrator is really, really sorry for his actions. <laughs> okay. Fillmore! <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess we can, we can go out on that. Fillmore, I'm on it. I don't know what it, I don't know how to end it other than I just really wanted to be Chief Commissioner Vallejo. That so is chief, that is fine. I'm fine. Unless Chief fine Commissioner Vallejo is the one talking about Fillmore. Do you want to, uh, if in case we don't decide to use a different intro, do you want to just like try to do a couple sentences as him just so that sure. we get it on, on mic? Ingrid, Fillmore, 
I need you guys to investigate the AV Club's missing podcast because that's the only thing that comes to mind whenever I do this voice. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that voice. Yeah. Oh, I like all the voices in this show, actually. I, 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 I'm kind of excited to talk about this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this we're. I have a lot to say, so let let's get underway. Uh, good couplet, Ben. Welcome everyone to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. But no intro for your guest. Okay. And we have a guest today. Well, we'll get to it once Who you will? say your damn name. Introduce oh, yeah, himself. I'm, I'm just Chief Commissioner McLeod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we have a guest. Yeah, Joshua. I'm, I'm Joshua McLeod. I'm I'm here again. After, yeah, you are. What, 34 episodes after my last appearance. Now you all get to hear me again. But who's counting? I, I, I'm not counting. But you do have that photographic memory that you can use to remember. That comes up once an episode. Yeah, it's Crackers. it's really relentless, isn't it? Um, and uh, welcome back to the Carton Cast, Act One, the introduction. Yeah, uh, Joshua, thanks so much for coming back on. We haven't seen you since Sonic Satam. My pleasure. It's been a long, long time, and I really do miss your guys' smile. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not talking about move in, and I don't want to change your guys' lives, but it's just really great to see you tonight. Aw, <laughs> it's another song, you dolt. Yeah, we don't know songs. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no one wrong here, podcast I, for that one. I'm a blonde white guy with a beard wearing a shirt with islands on it. Take a guess what my favorite genre of music is. Hawaii Five O theme song. The Close. band Islands. Dun, 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 dun. Ska. Yacht <laughs> We're all just guessing here. Yeah. The Fillmore intro. <laughs> God, I the love Fillmore intro again. That intro, yeah. I have some things to say about it, but I guess we should... For five or six minutes, yeah. I guess we have we to have introduce the show first. Well, well. First, I, I'd like to uh, I'd like to uh, ask you if uh, you know you want to tell us anything about what you are up to currently. If you had anything to plug or anything um, like that, I'm still working on my archive. Last time I had two interviews on my archive. Now I have uh, six. That's a higher so, number. Yeah, yeah. You I've been hear... <laughs> I've been uh, I've been following that on Facebook uh, somewhat sporadically, just kind of seeing every so often that you're like, oh, I had a real great interview. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us anything about what uh, what that project is about? Uh, I do oral history interviews with film and television producers, uh, so and distributors. So I've had the luxury and pleasure of talking to guys like Wade Williams, Kit Parker, Paul Abeda was the one that I plugged last time. This time I'm going to plug. That's my, right. I'm going to plug my interview with Hope Holiday, who is probably most famous for being the whore in the 1960 movie The Apartment with Jack Lemmon, and oh. yeah, and Shirley MacLaine. And she also produced. She was in a bunch of stuff, and she also, but in the 80s, she produced a bunch of movies that Cameron Mitchell was in, and. Mystery Science Theater 3000 fans will probably know her best as the executive producer of Space Mutiny. So if you guys want some behind-the-scenes scoops on that weird movie, Space Mutiny, you'll get to hear her talk about it. That sounds great. Uh, is, it, uh, is it currently out anywhere, or are yes, you still kind of putting it together? It's on YouTube. So oh, go look up the cool. JM archives, and you'll find my archive of six interviews. Six. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Yay. <laughs> and more to come um, soon, hopefully. Well, that uh, that does sound really interesting, and I hope to check it out after this uh, after this podcast. But we got to actually do the podcast, and yeah. today you have suggested a cartoon for us. I see. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to introduce it, or are you guys going to introduce it? Uh, you can introduce it. We were going to ask like 
what your history is with it. What your relationship with it is, who you talked about it, that whole thing. Yeah, we had a torrid affair, um, but, you know, we're We being you and Fillmore with an exclamation point? Yeah, we, we, but we're really good friends now, you know. We we (laughs) managed to overcome that kind of fault. Fillmore. Yeah, you, you stayed friends after the bitter divorce because Fillmore couldn't leave his job. Yeah. Which, like, that's a plot that could happen in this show aimed at middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what's your what's your history with uh, with Fillmore? Why did you bring this up to us? I don't. I remember seeing it on Disney XD recently, or like I guess whenever the hell I messaged you guys, say you got to talk about Fillmore. <laughs> they were rerunning it on Disney XD, and you guys were like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. We'll get to it eventually." And, and we did. <laughs> I remember. My memory of this is. Disney, because I was watching Disney Channel at the time. I was a big Disney Channel person. And they were promoting their Saturday morning block, and they had, you know, they said, like, watch Disney Channel Saturday morning, and there was this brief, like, three-second clip of Fillmore, like, coming out of a slide or something that they would show in that. And I'm like, what the hell is Fillmore? And then I finally <laughs> saw it. Uh, that is pretty much everyone's first reaction to that. <laughs> saw it. about that kid in the Hell no, I'm not using my Saturday mornings not on WB. <laughs> that's the th- I mean, you're joking, but that's the thing is, I think one of the reasons why this show didn't last super long is because the WB was just killing everything in Saturday morning. They were crushing it. Yeah. Well, they had the they had Yu-Gi-Oh, they had Pokemon, and uh, what else did they have? I yeah, that whole for kids lineup. This yeah, was... really, really targeted toward that demographic. This one did not a. Uh... Did not really target the demographic so precisely. A lot of Fillmore's audiences skewed much, uh, much more mature than they had intended. So, unfortunately, it didn't really take off, and it was canceled after two seasons. Um, Zane, do you want to give the rest of the production history, considering <clears throat> I just went into the fucking middle of it and grabbed its guts out? <laughs> <laughs> I always love when you take charge, and I'm left to just clean up the pieces. <laughs> clean up my mess, man. <laughs> Fillmore! Exclamation point ran from 2002 to 2004 on ABC, with the various Disney channels airing it after that, as it was produced by Disney TV Animation, so you might as well keep it in the family. Disney TV Animation. (laughs) Yeah, in case you didn't know what Disney was, this is their TV segment (laughs) of their animation department. Oh, it's so good. Uh, It was made by Mm. Scott Gimple, who has written for a variety of shows, including The Walking Dead, Flash Forward, and Pepper Ann. Yeah, I can see some similarities to Pepper Ann. Like, all the eye shapes feel pretty similar. Like, a lot of people don't have pupils in the same way. Well, Disney Channel shows always sort of have the same art style up to that point. Yeah, sure. you, you, could, you could fit in cameos from, like, the kids from Recess or, like, Kim Possible without too much trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch the Kim Possible episode where, or, no, I guess it was the Lilo. <laughs> oh, and, no, it was the Lilo and Stitch <laughs> the episode. Although, funny enough, there is a lot of crossover actors. Were Fillmore, like... Shows. We, like, we saw uh, House Queen... of Mouse and the <laughs> Lilo like and Fillmore. Stitch Kim Possible I have seen before, but not not for this. Okay. Yeah. There was the Lilo and Stitch recess episode, which has a, which I'll let you guys think about for a while. Uh, it's confusing. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll, that, I'm definitely going to have to chew on that. Uh, before we get too much farther, I, you had mentioned that you talked to somebody who was involved in the creation of the show. So I'm friends with one of the a writer of one of the episodes, uh, John Cervenka, who uh, most people would remember best as the voice of Captain Tenniel from MXC. Mm. Oh. Uh, he told me some great... He told me that it was really fun writing the episode and that Scott Gimple was really, really involved with you know all the scripts and Scott said, hey, call if you need any things. And they actually called Scott while he was on vacation in Vegas somewhere. And, you know, when you're on vacation, you know, you don't really want to think about your job. But 
he was very involved in helping writing the script. So that's my oh, Scott Gimple was super, super helpful in creating the show. He wasn't just some guy who turned up scripts. Sometimes that's yeah, great. What's, um, what, what, episode? what episode was that? It, was it Fillmore but Die Hard? Uh, it was in um, <laughs> the episode was called uh, Links in a Chain of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> I love the titles I, in this show. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. I didn't. I don't think I saw that one. So if okay. if he's got particular, you know, if he has anything to say on the particulars of that, just bring us up to speed. Not, not on the particulars of the episode, other than just it was really great working with Sean Whalen, the co-writer, who I also am going to talk to next week. So <laughs> nice. Wow. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try to get some insider information emailed over to you guys. Hello. Hi, Mr. Whalen. Yes. Joshua McLeod. Hey, Josh, how are you? I'm doing okay right now. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Now, how do you know John Cervenka? MXC mega, mega fan. Uh, I interviewed him. Oh, okay. I interviewed him about um, being Captain Tennille and writing for MXC for a website and kind of became friends with him, and I was doing this podcast about Fillmore and I was watching episode I'm like oh hey I know one of the writers maybe he can give me some inside tips cool so. yeah I was on the punch up so technically I only wrote I think one or two episodes mm-hmm. um, but I was in the punch up group and I actually had a character based on me and then I did a voiceover on the one that obviously the character that was based on me when he went off uh, school premises I was Truant Officers. God, what was my name? Is it Truant Well? Yeah, I don't. I forget what it was. Turk. Turk. Truant Officer Turk. Turk. I don't know where Turk came from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very cartoony. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Gimple, who is now the showrunner for um, <clears throat> Walking Dead, created Fillmore, and his premise was obviously he wanted a cop show uh, set in middle school. He had the premise, and he was a very nice guy. And I just, I think this is kind of a legend story. So if Scott ever listens to this, he might say, that's not how it happened. But I'm pretty sure this is the story that I remember, that he was trying to get these guys to see it. And one day an executive was in his office and said, you know, wish we, you know, had some good shows and Scott said you know what I've been trying to tell you guys I have a great show right here and he handed it to him and they got they gave him a pickup for film one so he had me come in and punch it up well that's that's uh that's really cool um that you that you have that connection um especially because like I'm pretty I'm pretty in love with this show. I, no like, one's I ever would, heard of it. I would love to yeah. talk to someone who had a creative hand in making it because this is this is really excellent. Mm-hmm. If I were really smart, I would have gone after Gimple, but he's like super big now, working on Walking Dead. Yeah, sure. that, that makes sense. Uh, I could try, but uh, no guarantees. <laughs> we wouldn't want to put yeah. Out. Best of luck in your personal uh, journey through the Fillmore verse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the if you want, we can start talking about the show itself. I, I okay. think we all have a lot to say <laughs> I, I don't know if we covered you said that you had like a history of not knowing what the show was about but apparently it hit you pretty hard do you have anything to kind of remark on that like why it hit you real hard or like at what point well, you became in love with it sort of 
I think recently I came in love with it. I'm like, oh god, I missed that Fillmore show. And there's some other not so fun stuff, not with me, but with some of the cast of the show that we'll get into in the future that Ooh. brought it back to mind in recent memories. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or not. I'm not. I can't uh, wait to hear about it. It's just vague enough for me to say maybe <laughs> involving the uh, the main voice of the show. Oh which yeah, we'll get into later. he did. He done. He done a lot of crimes. His rap sheet's like a mile yeah. long. I don't know if he did. Did he do crimes? He done a crime. I just know that he did. I just know that he did Dr. Phil, so which is like the very, very <laughs> bottom a of the barrel. That's to a crime. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't see him on Dr. Phil. It was like his friend was like, help get my ex-Disney star friend some help, Dr. Phil. No way. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm looking this up. He's on, you got to look it up because he's on there and he... Orlando we're talking about Brown? Orlando Brown. Yeah. Orlando Brown and he he's on Dr. Phil and he's talking about how, yeah, like he, he's so high. He's like, you know, his brain is screwed up from doing so many drugs. And we're joking about this. It's not funny. It's not funny, but the context is funny in that it's a funny series of words when I go online and just type in Orlando Brown. And the first thing that comes up is Orlando Brown wears snake eye contacts for Dr. Phil intervention. Wow. He claims that he's one of Michael Jackson's kids. Uh Uh-huh. As we all do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of us are above that. We're not one to throw you know, stones. For tax purposes, we're all Michael Jackson's kids. Wow. Did Michael... Ch- I'm not gonna... No, I'm not gonna make the impotence joke, so... That's, uh, that's very low-hanging fruit really because... Because the balls are not working so good. I don't what? know. Yeah, he had, he had a bunch of kids. Four that he knows of, from what I can tell. <laughs> Five, if you count Orlando Brown. Um. <laughs> yes, he is self-begotten. I guess seven if you count us, but um, uh, but the, the rumor is that, which again, this has nothing to do with Fillmore, the rumor is that, that he was chemically castrated by his family so that he could maintain oh. that, that voice. Yeah, the castrato so type of thing. Yeah, and the kids aren't his. There's someone out there like, they're, you know, I don't know. I've, the kid is, like is not con- his son, yeah. There's a lot of Michael, ja- <laughs> there's a lot of Michael <laughs> Jackson fans out there, and I don't want to piss them off. Um, I love Michael Jackson's music. There's, there's uh, like, I like Fillmore as a show a lot, and I would love not to spend any more time talking about Michael Jackson instead of Fillmore. Is anyone else okay with yeah. that? <laughs> that works for Josh. Okay. Uh, and the yays have it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but I remember the show airing, because I remember it airing Saturday morning, and but it was hard to watch because it aired opposite Endurance on NBC, so. I don't I don't know what that is either. We, we come from different Endurance worlds. Endurance was a... It was a kids' uh, reality. It was like Survivor, but for kids. Oh, that sounds oh. good. Teenagers. That sounds so good. Yeah. Oh, and Zane, was, you're going to on... work Zane into a froth talking about child Survivor. No, Jeff Probst yeah. had a speaking role on this show. He, he did? had a bunch. He was in a bunch, which shocked me when I looked it up. I was like, Jeff Probst was not Why? in this show. And I looked it up. I'm like, Jeff was Probst was on the show. He was busy. <laughs> this was the height of his power. <laughs> I think he was recording. He had to have like recorded all his. Like, there's no way he came to a table read. Like, he had to have. Showing up, it was yeah. one of those things where he recorded all his lines for the season in like one or two days. Do, does anyone besides have. me think that Jeff Prost might be like a uh, kind of, may, 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 might be like a dryad, like a forest oh, spirit that only lives on those islands? He does look like he's Highlander-ish. Like he hasn't yeah. aged. He's Highlandin, yeah. It's all that warm weather. He plays, Every year he's he Highlandin. He plays the tallest character on this show, which is ironic because apparently he's only like five foot. Like oh, six. the uh, the 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 principal's like a uh, secretary, like the, the her roughneck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think roughneck is a term like that. The drama club's podcast has to go according to plan, <laughs> but lately they've been receiving threats from an unknown group. 
we want you to investigate. Oh my god, yeah. that's <laughs> wow. What? Why? Whatever. <laughs> um, that's um, Jeff Probst for no reason. And then there's a joke about it where they're like, he's on a boat, and she says. He doesn't like boats, which is ironic. You see, get the irony, kids, because Jeff Probst is on boats a lot when he's filming Survivor. <laughs> you see? Oh, you it, was it's a, funny? it was a cross-promotional tie-in. Right, 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 right. It's just confusing to see him anywhere but on an island. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like when you see your teacher at the supermarket. Like, what? Yeah. No, no, you live in the school. <laughs> and, then, and then he tells you to vote out one of your friends. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> communicate them. <laughs> His voice cracks like a whip. I'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Well, and again, that's the thing about the show is there's a lot of references to 2002, 2001 culture that kind of fell off the planet. So the show doesn't age as well as something like uh, Pepper Ann, which didn't have so many cultural references. If if you are culturally illiterate, though, like myself, uh, it didn't affect my enjoyment of the show at all. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with Zane on that one. At at its heart, this is not really referencing 2000s so much as as it is referencing like. 1970s at least that's you know how it how it kind the, of self-promoted right cop culture dramas buddy cop stuff in general i think yeah 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 Yeah. so mm-hmm. we should uh we should well, talk about kind of like the overall kind of kind of theme of the show which is that it's just a cop drama parody at its finest it's yeah a parody of it's a parody of like starsky and hutch and or i guess the one that i was thinking it was like was um streets of san francisco mm-hmm. sort of parody because there's that opening shot of of the uh, Fillmore and Third on their bikes going over a hill, so yeah, you just associate it as it being in San Francisco. Although I don't think we ever figure out what city that this is set in. And anything where you can use the phrase "a loose cannon on the edge," um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Fillmore, <laughs> exactly. And, and the conceit of the show cap- is that the cops are um, middle school safety patrol. Now, is that a uh, is that a term that's used in school safety patrol, or is that yes. something that was created for the show? Okay, uh, I was on safety patrol actually around the same time this came out. <laughs> we had crossing guard patrol. We didn't have. Safety I think that's pretty much most of what they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the, yeah, the, was... the department funding you know budget was slashed, and they had to get rid of all the all the law and order style desks and uh, you know. All that stuff. Well, no, like they they have safety patrol as crossing guards because you still need crossing guards because like small children walk to school, um, but you don't want to pay like adults to do it. So and you want to teach the kids good values. They made a movie about uh, it, Safety Patrol. It's a comedy. Oh yeah, which Weird, has Al, a Weird Al, Al comedy. You play, is that the one where he's Scott Bozell or is that the name of the character? I don't know. I remember very little other than the Safety Patrol itself, where. Um, the they they were like running down a list of characters like and this is that kid and he's got this gimmick and they said this this guy we call lefty because he only has one left hand unless he's really eating with his right hand that. <laughs> it was that kind of movie yeah so yeah um, not unlike Babe encouraging young children to buy pigs Fillmore I'm sure encouraged a lot of young children to join their safety patrols. <laughs> only to, learn, only to so. learn that it wasn't quite what they thought it would be. Yeah, you're not you're not going around solving crime. Yeah, I want to be a detective. My main point well, of I, reference for this show is because I watched a lot of law, a lot of Law and Order, um, in middle school and high school. So, you know, I, I every any time the show even remotely resembled Briscoe hitting the pavement to t- chase down a lead, I was just like, mm-hmm. I was so happy. Yeah. I really wanted to, to, like, solve some sort of school crime as a kid. And there was a crime that occurred where someone stole all the stickers off of 
the test answers. No, I'm. Ju- this sounds like a bit. No, this actually happened. I was trying to solve the crime. It does sound like and a I bit. Was like, I feel like you're making this up. It was no, like it could be my my friend David's been super enthusiastic about solving the crime. I wonder if he was part of it. <gasps> you don't hmm. think? And then there's Dave. And then there's my that David who also happens to be named David who I don't like as much. And he's all angry about the stickers because he didn't get one. Oh, mm. case of mistaken identity now. Yeah, as we've as we've learned, if you want to help with the case, you're probably guilty. You're probably guilty. Yeah. How do you guys like hop dramas? Um, I never was a bit. I, you know, you'd think I was like some sort of huge fan of the genre for picking this. I don't know if I've ever even seen an, a full episode of a cop genre, other than that one time I was in the break room when I was working at Macy's and I saw an episode of can of uh, yeah, Canon. So I don't I don't really have a frame of reference for seventies cop dramas. Canon, comma loose. Yeah, I I only know uh, like Law and Order and uh, uh, more of the detective type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I my, mine is mainly Law and Order, and you know I I don't know if you really need to know any particular show. It's enough to be familiar with the genre conventions, which I, I think that you just it's one of those things that you just get from being around other kinds of media that also parody it like animaniacs or whatnot you know like mm-hmm. if you're around long enough as a kid you start to get a feel for what a you know what a rom-com looks like like a what a standard uh formula wrote rom-com looks like what a cop drama looks like what a kung fu movie looks like even if you've never seen any of them you just kind of understand the tropes mm-hmm. implicitly after a yeah. while so you could still enjoy this presumably <laughs> but what i what I love is that it's taken 100% seriously. Oh, it's no nonsense. There's no, there's no character that, like, the principal doesn't look at the camera and go, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, there's nothing yeah. that indicates this is 100% serious. The sound effects don't even get With close to anything slapstick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, its commitment is what really drives this to be a good show. Um, I do think it might be one of the reasons why it didn't play well with its intended audience. Yeah. yeah, you really they, have they to be. You really have to be into the parody being uh, the joke being. This is a cop drama parody. Yeah, because that, that is the only joke they make. And there, there is and one it, character who's like the classic comic relief Disney sidekick, and the show just yeah. grinds to a halt whenever he's around. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering what you guys thought of him. I, what's his name? Ohulahan? Danny, like Art Danny. Archie or something. <laughs> Token Irish guy. Yeah. I'm going to look it up so that we have it correct. Just Pete so that, Ross. Although I get, maybe we shouldn't give him credit or whatever. Not Danny Pete Ross, who am I thinking of? Yeah. Who's the, uh, who's Superman's photographer guy? Uh, oh, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, that, that's who I was thinking that. of. <laughs> yes. Pete, did you think his name was Pete Ross? What? I Where did that even come from? It's, that's a different guy, right? Pete Ross is his other friend. That's his other friend. <laughs> from when I he was a kid. It's not that weird to have, to like mistake Superman's only two friends. <laughs> they solved crimes together. <laughs> Do they say both say G Willikers? Oh, that was the only thing to say. If you if if, if you didn't say G Willikers, it meant you were a communist spy. <laughs> Prior to nineteen fifty seven, the only expletive that existed in American English was G Willikers or crackers. <laughs> the only criteria we had was obviously we had to keep it clean, so it made it ten times harder because we couldn't murder anybody or. <laughs> you know, have them doing drugs or, you know, any kind of nefarious crimes because it's a junior. So that actually made it harder. And you had to learn about red herrings and and the misleads and who was actually doing what. And then more importantly, 
which Scott always really demanded from us is that it had an emotional depth to why the person committed the crime, um, why someone would have done what they did. So I went in and I was punching up, and then I'm trying to remember. I, I don't honestly remember the episode I wrote. Um, uh, I know the title of it. It involved uh, links in a chain of honor, and it involved uh, the lobster. Yeah, le- a legacy, right? Yeah. A legacy, yeah. like the Legacy's older brother great. was right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The older brother was a good, was revered, and the younger brother really wanted to be as good as him. So, the other caveat, and I don't know if you knew this, but every name of somebody was a street of in San Francisco. I did not know that. Right. That is from the streets of San Francisco, a very famous cop show. That I do Carl know. Carl Malden and, yeah, and Mike Michael Douglas. Uh, Douglas, yeah. So, that was a, a cool inside joke that we don't know if anyone got, but everyone's name was <clears throat> that so to honor the top show streets of San Francisco. Um, and so the main, like, we follow, in terms of the safety patrol, we follow Officer Fillmore and uh, Ingrid Third, these two, like, main people who, they share a checkered past and they think like criminals, so they're really good at catching criminals. Yeah. That that's you know and mostly true. <laughs> I mean, like they're yeah. also. Do we do we say, did yeah, we say ahead. that it takes place at a middle school? I don't think we clarified that yet. It takes place at every middle school simultaneously. Right. X middle school. X is a variable that is referred to in. So yeah, I guess you're right. They it takes constantly place refer to themselves as X middle school safety patrol, which in my mind is like I used to, used be, to be on in the, the safety, safety patrol, patrol yeah. at middle school, <laughs> and every time I had to be like, no, that's the name of the school. Yeah, that that. that that tripped me up a couple of times too but i do like how it it does feel like i'm inhabiting every middle school environment that i've ever seen in another show because something that a cop drama does a good one is it gives you a feel for the city that we're in you know when i was watched law and order you'd start out in the detective's office you'd go to the scene of the crime where you know some joggers find a dead body in the bushes where for some reason they always show up and you know so we get we get you get to see the parks you get to see the eateries. You get to see the red light district. You get to see a, t- a like a ton of this yeah. city, and that's also true here. Every episode kind of adds to the setting, right? It, it you know yeah. maybe we're checking out the drama club this time. Maybe this time we see you know the people who dance. Maybe this time we see the people who are enthusiastic about like uh, crossword puzzles. It's always a it's always kind of like never, a different <laughs> facet of of middle. We never school. see actual classes. It's all extracurriculars. <laughs> Presumably they go to school sometimes. Hey, you can't see... What was the Test Answers episode? Did you guys watch that one? Uh, I I am halfway through uh, Fillmore at Die Hard Academy. Okay, I don't know. I don't remember that episode. I hope it wasn't the last... The only one I haven't watched is the last one, so I'm committed to this thing. uh, Well, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, this kind of... And it didn't occur to me until after I picked it. This kind of parallels Sonic the Hedgehog in that they were both airing on ABC, Disney. They both used... Act the main actor was someone who was kind of big in the Disney stable at the time, mm-hmm. and then they both aired for exactly two seasons, twenty six episodes. So yeah, I mean those all feel like pretty superficial similarities to me. Like any, anything, once you get into the actual content of the show in any meaningful way, that sort of starts to break down pretty fast. Yeah, F- Fillmore still has an attitude, but it's not Sonic attitude. 
Well, and did you guys watch the... I don't think it's like the first aired episode, but the episode that introduces Ingrid Third. Ingrid Third, public enemy number one. The They're constantly flashing yeah. back. Yeah, it's it's like she's the suspect or whatever. Yeah, I saw that one. That was real good. And it was rife with like that that beautiful style of parody where we're so deep into the parody that we don't remember that we started it as a joke. And now I am very committed <laughs> to knowing everything about Fillmore's old partner who never shows up again. No, he's in a, he's in a season two episode, oh, but uh, where Fillmore goes and visits him. Yeah. Fillmore oh, goes man. and visits him. And it's like, it's like corrupt. It's like the corrupt school where everyone on the safety patrol is corrupt. I won't, I won't spoil it for you. Oh man, that sounds but it's, great. Uh, I guess it's a, it's a parody of, uh, I guess, that at the episode where we meet the one corrupt cop played by Dennis Franz. That's a Hill Street Blues reference. Hill Street mm. Blues, for those who don't know, was a cop <laughs> show. was a drama in the 80s. I, I want to say cop show, but it really wasn't a cop show. It was just a drama about about the precinct. So I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was really melancholy. So. We're learning so much today about culture we really should know. I, I love that Fomor and... And uh, what's his face? His old partner have that um, have that photograph of them on their fishing expedition on his desk. <laughs> That's so cute to me. So I think we should start talking about Fillmore with some more uh, specifics because he's a fascinating character and he really ties the show together. Well, can I uh, can I quickly kind of run down the flavor of an episode? Like the the progression oh, yeah, it, yeah. that it goes sure. through is a very clear and delineated step one, step two, step three sort of plot. Uh huh. Um, no, 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 no! It's Act One. It's Act One. Act yeah, two, <laughs> Act Three. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the way almost every episode goes. You know, there's a classic Law and Order setup. There's a fairly innocuous scene, and it develops into a crime scene somehow. Fillmore and Ingrid find the perp, only to realize that the crime goes deeper than they thought. They catch the true perp. There's an action parody scene in the middle, and they close out like a cop show with the detectives shutting off the lights and grabbing their coats. With a little variance here and there, but pretty much. I, I kind of love how close to formula it is, though. Yeah. I don't think I really need any twist beyond the main joke of what if cop show happened in middle school. <laughs> That's really all I need. You don't need... Occasionally, you have, um, you know, the kids, they didn't commit any actual crimes, so... Mm. They uh, get off stealing free. a retainer is a crime for the person who doesn't have the retainer. Victimless crime? Look, you haven't, what about their teeth? You haven't done anything illegal yet. Don't do this. You know, it's the <laughs> typical, don't do this. You can still do the right thing. Right. <laughs> he's just, I mean, yeah. he's just so convincing. Yeah, sometimes he does an, an elaborate action scene, and sometimes he just, like, talks to the person's like, listen, you're not a bad guy. I know, I've I been used, there. I used to be in your shoes once, too. Yeah. And then occasionally uh, the lesson will revolve around something he needs to learn. Like, he needs to learn how to let go in order to grieve the loss of his pet fish or he needs to <gasps> no learn the pet fish yeah. on his desk dies uh i think so. like i don't know if, which episodes you were watching but i know one of them dies. random my friend the the plots don't necessarily make the most sense from a like character logically like oh i want to do this thing i need to commit this crime yeah the motivations are all discovered backwards it's, yeah there's it's a little yeah. bit of, of backpedaling and figuring out the finale first mm -hmm. um so so the villains don't always make sense they're they're very often like 
trying to help, quote unquote, the uh, investigation. So it comes off a little Scooby Doo at times, but it's extremely yeah. Scooby Doo. <laughs> but but the the fact that they're playing it completely serious uh, sells it. Yeah, and everyone plays it. Like these are middle school kids; they didn't really think that logically in the first place. And they always—it's one of those things where they always get the guy. They always get the perp, which is sort of a trope of cop shows. Mm -hmm. It's—it's unlike real life, where occasionally the bad guy finds some loop. Although I guess there was that one episode where the bad guy got away, but I'll shut up. Yeah, Uh, I saw that one. Occasion. Yeah, the bad guy. Usually they catch the bad guy unless it's like the big overarching villain of the series which by the way that guy never showed spoiler alert that guy never shows up again so yeah i was hoping that he would i kind of liked that uh sort of friendly rivalry thing that they had going on um well unfortunately a lot of the kids never show up again like from episode to episode because i think they thought it would confuse kids that's strange i don't have any inside info to verify that but i think that that's one of those things where it's like you didn't want to bring back like you know villain from the past episode I think that's fine just because they have a very strong main cast and the the way that they keep mm-hmm. jumping between different middle school like social groups um, keeps things fresh. Yeah. Fresh enough anyway. Do you guys want to talk about the main character? Fillmore. Yeah. Fillmore. Cornelius Fillmore. He was a bad guy. <sighs> played, by, a uh, played by Orlando Brown, as we had mentioned. And uh, in yeah. going over his Wikipedia page, in addition to his uh, dubious Michael Jackson, uh, you know, paternity. Claims. <laughs> Uh, I also found that he was Tiger from one of my favorite movies as a kid, Major Pain. Oh, which is yeah. weird as hell. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about. He was also pain. he was also three J on the final season of uh, Family Matters. He was the cute kid they added to boost ratings. I don't remember that. He was Scrappy. He was Eddie from That's So Raven. Yeah, and then he was yeah he was Eddie he was, uh, was Eddie what's the last name I don't remember his name That's from so? That's So Raven. Eddie That So <laughs> from That's So Raven. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, there was a character on this show who shared the last name with the title. And so. uh, Sticky yeah, from The Proud Family is where you might have seen it yes. in animation. Oh, cool. Sticky. Have you guys talked about Proud Family? We, we haven't done that. We before. haven't. We don't, we don't trust ourselves <laughs> to, yeah. to talk about that. In the same way, we don't trust ourselves to talk about the, the Boondocks. And yeah, I don't know if I ever will. No... It's important to talk about at some point, certainly. Yeah, but, but maybe we, not by know. us. Maybe we just have like other people on for that. <laughs> Josh, you you feel confident in talking about the the social impact of the Proud Family, right? <laughs> well, no one knows what I look like, so for all you guys, you guys, for all you guys know, I could. Be you you have gone on record many times saying that you are not. <laughs> yeah. Even though earlier I said I was a blonde white guy who wore Hawaiian shirts, so. Maybe I should shut up. <laughs> That's, that is okay. We do not. We, we have the memory of Fillmore's goldfish. We do not remember. Um, and so uh, Fillmore, the, the idea here is that he's like the best guy on the force. His past as a delinquent like shows up sometimes. We meet people from his past and they do a really good job of like setting up how his past influenced current events. Um, yeah. And he's good at what he does. Um, because one, he knows how criminals think, and two, now that he has purpose in his life, it's so much better than the way things used to be. He's basically uncorruptible. Mm-hmm. He, he's, yeah. he's like kind of a classic redemption story, but we meet him after the redemption. Yeah. And that, that vigilance that he brings to it is just really endearing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joshua, what do you think, think about Fillmore? I think he's, he's, he's typical of, he's a great character, and he's, you're uncorruptible, sort of hero and he's the guy you kind of wish you had been in school yeah okay who am i kidding he was the guy i was in school (laughs) i was uncorruptible i was the greatest ever joshua in the middle school was bald as a shaved melon 
<laughs> and he was a loose cannon who got results, damn it. Who <laughs> <laughs> didn't play by the rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that Just is how not, he's well, he, characterized yeah. by uh, the the by the commissioner is that like he he doesn't follow the rules and he like but you he, know cuts corners and you know try, and he's because of this dubious background we always see him like interacting with the criminal underbelly like he's always rounding up the usual suspects oh it's so great he's like yeah. hmm it's graffiti we got to talk to we got to talk to the best guy in the biz and they mm-hmm. they go to the graffiti master that he put away a few a few years ago but they have enough of a relationship that he can get the get the info out of him it's pretty good yeah i didn't see the him. weird silence of the lambs yeah that was, <laughs> was that was a weird start to the series i was your silence that. of the lambs episode in a in a reference that every 8 year old is just going to grab onto <laughs> well i was i was watching some show on disney channel uh, a few years back what was it called um pen zero part time here i don't know if you have any familiarity. pen 15 yeah, and there's a Silence of the Lambs reference in it. I'm like, what kid is going to catch this? You know, it's 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 like Tiny Toons put in a bunch of like references to like you know the Godfather or stuff like that. Like kids don't get it, but they get it. You know, it's the same thing with like if you haven't watched a cop drama, you still know what a cop drama looks like. If you haven't yeah. watched literal Hannibal Lecter, you've seen like you know Hannibal Lecter light, like Han. Like uh, cinnamon lector or whatever animaniacs might call him. Do you think Hannibal is a spice? No, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, like, so many great lines in that. That's like you know how they would call uh, it, it for the Sherlock parody and animaniacs. They would call uh, Moriarty by like they would say they would have a guy who was supposed to be Moriarty, but they called him Mariachi. Yeah, yeah, that kind and of thing. Sherlock Holmes would be like Hemlock Holmes or something. Yeah, like Hemlock <laughs> Jones or some some shit. <laughs> yeah. It was a really, really fun show. My ki- my kids, unfortunately, were too young to watch it. But then later, when my daughter turned like six or seven, she watched like every episode. Do you think that one of the theories I had, the reason why the show didn't last too long, was because it was aiming at the wrong market? Do you think that's why, or do you have another theory? In in what in what regard? That it played so straight that children of a certain age. Uh, that were watching, uh, I guess it would have been on ABC at the time, just didn't get it. Right, didn't get, maybe couldn't get the parody. Yeah. Is that what you mean? I remember watching it when I was, like, 12 and enjoying it, but not understanding the parody aspect of it. Right. Well, that's kind of what I, if, you know, not to speak for Scott, but I think Mm -hmm. he was, he really wanted a show Mm-hmm. that the kid can watch, and if you're watching it, and what did you think of it? You just thought it was, what, cool to figure out the mysteries, or mm-hmm. what did you like about it, I guess? At the time, I liked the, uh, I guess, the action and the figuring out the mysteries, because I was a big Scooby-Doo fan at the time. Um, okay. And then, but what, when I saw it, because they aired it on, like, Disney XD, and I just watched it, I'm like, oh, I remember that, I watched that, I'm like, wow, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing that Scott was going for was something that the parents could sit and watch with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was going for a truly family show where that, you know, which Disney did later on, you know, kind of mm-hmm. with Pixar and stuff like that, where, you know, you look at some of the stuff they do in their movies and Pixar and like aside and stuff like that, they're, they're throwing some adult stuff in there too for, so not bad stuff, but stuff for adults. So it, they all could sit down, like the mom, you know, the mom, the dad, the kids could sit down and mm-hmm. maybe try to figure out the 
mystery, but then the parents would understand, you know, some of the references or parody anyway, you know. Uh, but yeah, that that's a that's a good point. But Scott felt very strongly that he never wanted to talk down to kids. He wanted to respect diversity, people. You know what I mean? Like he always. He, he felt like kids were smarter than we gave him credit for, you know? And I think Scott thought it would be fun to have, you know, watch it the first time where you don't know everything and everything's discovered, and then you go back and see the clues. His partner is uh, Ingrid Third, who transfers mm. midway through the school year, and she's sort of your typical... Your typical loner character. She's she's new to the team, so we get somebody who will need things explained for the benefit of the audience. But like, yeah. she's not quite. Lo- she's very independent, but you can tell that she looks up to Fillmore to a degree. Where like they're a good team, and uh, Ingrid Third is played by Tara Strong, who we've seen a bunch in the past. Post Batgirl, pre Raven from Teen Titans. Yeah, during mm-hmm. during the Timmy so. Turner years. <laughs> the, oh oh yeah, the Turner years, yes. But pre. Uh, whatever the bully big brother from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends was his name. I can't remember it. Oh. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I want to call him Spencer, but that's not right. Was it Terrence or something? Terrence is, it sounds pretty good. This isn't Nick's podcast, so now i got to look it up. <laughs> okay, well, you don't have to look anything up. We don't actually have to know, but... Uh, Ingrid Third is, um, you know, he, she, I, I like that they're... I like their dynamic, because she is not as... She she Fillmore is great because he he plays everything so straight. He like in a show where everything is played straight, he is the straightest player there is. Like he's I've, twice as intense as any other character in the scene. I frequently forgot he was twelve years old. <laughs> he's kind of like Bucky O'Hare in that way. In that like the setting yeah, that they're right. in is pretty serious, but he's the one who makes me believe. He he's the one who makes me believe it, and he's so duty focused. And like Ingrid Third is maybe a little less so because she's new, but like it's it's still a very familiar cop drama, you know, main person and their partner sort of dynamic. The banter, yeah, she'll, she'll the do trust. the heavy, she'll do the legwork, you know, she'll do like going through all the paper uh, paperwork and files to find stuff out. And he's much more, you know, I know a guy on the inside, or like he, I gotta take this. He's guy got the down. experience and the intuition, and she's kind of more of the the bookish the bookish one. Um, also, she's got that photographic memory, which, you know, they just—I don't think that that doesn't mean what the, that doesn't mean what they say it means. That's not a thing. But but like it's frequently used to it's frequently used to uh, explain away the fact that she can flip through a folder and read a whole book. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's not what that dumb. means. That's, that's called not, speed reading. Yeah, that, yeah, that's some Evelyn Wood shit right there. That's not photographic that's, um, meaning. Photographic memory the- is something else. At the time, the photographic memory thing was like pretty played out. I haven't seen it in long enough where I didn't mind it. It's just do you th- I think do you it, think it's a do you think it's a joke in and of itself for them constantly referring to it? I don't. I think it's an excuse for them to speed things up when logically they would need to spend a day looking through files. I guess that's. I mean, like I, I would have because a lot of the like, episodes are like we got a strict time limit. If you don't have this figured out by tomorrow, I'm taking your badge. <laughs> yeah. Usually given to them by one the of my... The commissioner's right in my not, ass, Fillmore. N- not the commissioner, the principal. Oh, yeah. Uh, pardon played me. by Wendy... Uh, what, what's the principal? Wendy Do we ever Malick. get her name? Wendy Malick, who is probably most famous for Bo being Jackson. on um, 
Uh, no. <laughs> that, I mean, well, that's like, where I remember now, but her But I knew her from Just Shoot Me. Uh, I knew her from Just Shoot Okay, so, so yeah, you're probably right. I only understand uh, cartoons these days. I forgot what regular people look like, okay? So, Beatrice Horseman. Yeah. Do you know how much that macaroni sculpture cost, Fillmore? Uh, no. Uh, it took 1,300 man hours and $6,800. Why haven't you found the crook yet? <laughs> yeah, let's let's jump to these different characters real quick because they all add something great from the uh, from the classic formula. Mm-hmm. So this is an extremely Type A personality in a in a position of power, but like she needs these guys. Like, there's so many crimes happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it were a cop, sh- if it were an actual cop show, she would be like the mayor. This is the mayor. Yeah, yeah she's the politician yeah. who doesn't have the department's best interests at heart, but they have to work with her Correct. anyway. What I like mm-hmm. about her role here is that she provides stakes for when they mess up. Like, if yeah. it's a really important case and they don't do it right, she threatens to eliminate the entire safety patrol. Sometimes you get that from Vallejo, too, but it, it definitely carries a different weight because she is not of the system. So she'll definitely follow through on those. It, she she doesn't have the best interests at heart, so you know she'll follow through with the threats. Like, even if Vallejo says he'll throw Fillmore off the force, I'd never believed it. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, like, does an actual mayor have the authority to terminate police services? I don't know about that. Oh, almost certainly not. <laughs> in, in the same yeah. way that you know, um, uh, the the Supreme Court can uh, you know clear you of wrongdoing in your uh, campaign campaign finance violation. Yeah, oh, it, okay. one one hand shakes the other. Yeah, it scratches the ass <laughs> of justice and the dick at the same time. Are we making political jokes now? No, it's allegory. Jeez. We're making... They're not quite jokes, but yeah. (laughs) We're referencing politics. We're pointing out that politics exists in both Fillmore and in the real... Although we never see her going like, you know, my re-election as principal is coming up. That would be an interesting episode. That would be like a a Mayor Dewey-esque Steven Universe kind of portrait episode that I don't think I I would need. I like that she listens to her, like, constituents such as they are, where it's like, you know, the, the parents are calling and yelling about this, about you mishandling their kids, you know, what are we gonna... Yeah. I It's so hard to do a character that you're supposed to hate without actually hating their inclusion in the show. Yeah. Did, you know, but you like, don't really hate her. I, I don't think you hate this character. I, I kind of hate her, but I enjoy okay. hating her. Like, I the show doesn't work without her. I think the voice saves her from being a character that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. She's not the unfunny comic relief character who we'll get to in a minute. Right. <laughs> well, I want to talk about uh, the Junior Commissioner Vallejo. Junior Commissioner Vallejo, the greatest character in the history of... You like he's him a lot, sh- huh? He's pretty good. I love Commissioner v- Vallejo just because he's, he's like 12 years... He's like, what, 13, 14 years old? <laughs> he's had enough of this shit. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's had enough of this at 14. That he's <laughs> always scowling, cup of coffee in hand, five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to quit the cough, the cocoa. <laughs> the cocoa. Shut up. I know. Oh, that's that's one of the other things that I'll get back to in tone is how they just kidify so many cop drama like moments, yeah. and every time it kills me. Yeah, it's it's so good. He's a direct parody of any police chief, and he's yeah. voiced by Horatio Sands from yeah. Uh, yeah. from SNL. Hmm. Yeah. Also, he played the immortal additional voices in Gravity Falls. <laughs> <laughs> been, been waiting characters. to hear. I've been waiting to hear uh, from somebody who played additional voices because that is a treasured character. <laughs> and it's a, it's like it's like my favorite poet, Anonymous. I I in I terms of like him being having been on the force forever, he's sometimes so they'll weary. bring things in from his past where it's like, 
yeah, my old partner, you know, uh, some bad things went down, and he had to take the fall so that I could get the job. It's just like, <laughs> whoa, Which, by the way, kid. I think he had like, th- I think he had like three old partners. Yeah, he's middle aged. Yeah, just like I lost a lot of friends to get where I am. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny, and he's always so ready to chew out Fillmore for being a loose cannon. <laughs> I believe you mean he's ready to chew out Fillmore. I hope these Fillmore yells translate on the podcast because i don't know if they're loud enough. yeah it'll work we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out distortion i'll add the moral combat filter <laughs> <laughs> uh can i say one of the lines that he brings up just to like kind of cement how yes, straight please. this show plays its cop drama roots one more word Fillmore, and it'll be a suspension and you know what i figure i need a little vacation from your attitude one more word got me where is? Tell me where the joke is in that, because it doesn't exist. Because they're so focused on, on like on letting me sink into this genre that they don't care about telling jokes at all. It's amazing. Yes. It's such good focus. I wonder how this show, and I wonder this about a lot of like, how did this show play in countries like Japan and Germany? <laughs> did this translate well? I don't know. How did this? Oh, what? Because yeah. you mean because he's a Latino? <laughs> No, I mean just because the general no, tone of the—I mean that's part of it—but oh. the general tone of yeah. the show. This show is super popular in Latin America. Yeah, it's so genre specific. Uh, it's like uh, it's like when you yeah. get, um, you know, Japanese. Mm. It's like when you get anime mm. that talks about, um, you know, cat uh, cat cafes uh, overseas. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah, they they have to say it's a bathhouse in the America. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that enjoy onsen. these delicious jelly donuts that are clearly rice balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty children good. Don't understand the concept of rice, <laughs> which they couldn't. They, they could. They could edit a lot of stuff. They couldn't edit out those rice balls. No, they understood that. Yeah, they, they could turn all the cigarettes into like lollipop sticks with a little lollipops. blob bouncing on the end, but not the rice balls. Um, uh, and they could turn guns so, into uh, things that aren't guns. Yeah, like little crossbows or whatever. Or, slingshot, um, or make them invisible if it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, but the other characters on the Force are are kind of more background and support characters mostly. They show up and they like have an area of expertise, except for this one kid who I just really don't like. I I actually didn't hate him that very much, but Zane, why don't you tell me why you didn't like him? Danny O'Farrell. Jimmy Olsen. The, yeah, O'Farrell. Yeah, he's the token klutzy annoyance character who just breaks the tone of this and reminds me, oh, this is the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he never has a he never has like that redemption moment, sort of no. like Antoine from Sonic. He never has that moment yeah. in the show where he kind of turns into a badass or he's the one that solves the crime. Well, I'm waiting I, for I liked, it. I liked Antoine in in Sonic's Adam because like he made sense to me. Like in, in a war effort where that show took place, you can't just like tell people you know you're off the case. You, you there's there's nowhere for them to go, so they just have to be there even if they're ineffectual. He is he's he's pretty not good. <laughs> Daniel Farrell is maybe played by Kyle Sullivan, who I th- was he was kind of a kid actor who was big at the time. Yeah, he was on all that. Up, I don't know if all that was after this or before. Or oh, definitely before this. When he was on, he was on all that before. Okay, so I don't know. yeah, this killed his career. I'm sure. Well, I'm not all <laughs> that. I think there's justice in the world. I don't, I don't well, think okay, that's sh- like I don't know if anyone would have <laughs> okay, paid any no, mind to it. <laughs> This show, well, he also played a bunch of insulary characters in the show, which is weird to have a child actor play other characters. Usually they only play, like, one character, and that's it. Yeah. In a show like this. So it's kind of weird. He sort of had that talent, but for whatever reason, this this show had a lot of kid actors, and a lot of kid actors, you know, 
get to a point in their life where they're like, eh, I don't really want to act anymore. Yeah. Even though they're really good at it. It's, it's a hard industry to be in, especially for someone with yeah. the temperament of a child. As evident by, you know, Orlando Brown now. Yeah. Mr. 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 Jackson himself, yeah. You're, you're really flipping <laughs> a coin on the child actor train. Um, you flip coins on trains. Um, the the other characters um, that we should talk about include uh, all of the villains. The perks. All of the, the criminal elements. Yeah, and I these really guys, like all the good side characters in this show. Like, the one-and-done characters really do it for me. Yeah, like, how into how into villainy they are like on a really small level like oh they're mandarkian like they're good kids you know they would never commit real crimes but it's like you know i'm i'm setting up this uh i don't know like uh you know playing jack's ring and i'm i'm fixing the numbers and (laughs) yeah (laughs) like they they do and again it's with the tone thing about kidifying everything they do real world crimes if the real world was as benign as a middle school. So like you're not a you're not doing like arson, you're setting off a stink bomb. You're not like trashing a car. Oh, the you're parallels. like scrawling messages over like uh like you're you're doing graffiti. There was there was one episode yeah. um where they had a mini golf tournament and the these really good players kept on throwing the the game and it we we find out that like this one kid kept on betting his comic books against, like, for for the one guy, and he would lose everything if these up-and-comers won, so he would intimidate them or, like, buy them off. And then Fillmore happens to be a prodigy mini-golf player and joins the tournament to stop him. And it's a whole, like... What? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that, that that is a little forced. It's mini-golf, but it works. They sell it. It's the episode of the crop show where, you know, you were one of the best, uh, ec- you know, blank, blank things of all time. And then you just quit. Why'd you Why'd do you- it? <laughs> because I hurt some people that were close to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he took the pride of six other mini golfers because he was a bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I was so good at mini golf that, that it went bad. And I hurt someone close to me. Never again. And like, the, they always talked so self-serious. That could have been verbatim. The, so melodramatic. There's no irony. There's no irony no. with this show. There's not a hint of irony. Nobody which chuckles. I love. The, the name. There's a no, chuckle means you're off yeah, the, the force. The name damn of it. that episode is "The Nineteenth Hole Is a Shallow Grave." What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> the title. Oh, do we want it? Can we? Because we did the opening. Oh, I guess we kind of have to explain that. We have to explain that at the beginning of every episode, they have the late Don LaFontaine. You know, sort the of in a world in a title world. of the show. Yeah, we have to talk well, about... Well, he never says in a world in the No, show. I know, but I wanted to say, like, for the uninitiated, because I only just learned this, that Don LaFontaine, all, a.k.a. the voice of God, a.k.a. the throat of thunder, Mr. In a World himself, <laughs> um, he, I'm pretty sure he's also the guy that the Honest Movie Trailer guy is imitating. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, and, and he is the person who kind of introduces every act. Which, by the way, he was in a... Like, when he was young, before he became the voice, he was in a movie that was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, really? Oh. And I looked it up, I looked, because I saw Don LaFontaine passed away, and like, like they, they put it up on the, the info group. Like, Don LaFontaine, you know, passed away. He played this. I'm like, okay, that had to have been a different Don LaFontaine. <laughs> and I saw the episode years later. I'm like, oh my god, it's the voice it's the in guy. this movie. As a minor, as like a minor reporter character. Like, how does that happen? I have an anecdote for the first time I encountered a parody of this voice, if you guys will indulge me. Mm-hmm. 
which is uh, the comedian Pablo Francisco, and he does this bit called Little Tortilla Boy, where he's talking about how all movies seem to have the same announcer, where they, like, smoke three packs a day, and they, you know, always enter with, in a world. And so, like, the bit, it basically consists of him doing that gruff voice for a very benign plot line. Kind of like what we did at the beginning of this. Exactly. Exactly, but, you know, with less, you know, emotional trauma. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the that's the narrator, and he he you know he sets up the plot by going Act One, a, a you know a, a time to kill, a, yeah, a, a time to fill greatness, yeah, yeah for like painting or whatever. Did you ever see the Geico? This is going to go in the show notes. The Geico commercial that he was in. Paula Sela is a real Geico customer, not an actor. So to help tell her story, we hired that announcer guy from the movies. When the storm hit, both our cars were totally underwater. In a world where both of our cars were totally underwater. We thought it would take forever to get some help. But a new wind was about to blow. With Geico, we had our check in two days. Payback. This time, it's for real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You must have such like a... He he must have such a good sense of self-deprecating humor to be able to... To be able to handle being a joke of himself. Yeah. Uh, being hired to it, imitate himself. But here, like everything else, it's played completely straight and it really Absolutely. sets the tone of things. Yes. Yeah, he never... It's not like the Phineas and Ferb episode where he says in a world as a joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah That's true. Yeah, no, it, the the tone is so so up its own ass and I love it. Yeah, love it all. And he gives the title and then the act subtitles just to like bring you in further of slain kings on checkered fields. Yeah. He's completely. In theory, you could cut him out, but he, he adds. Yeah, you don't need him so there. much to the show. I don't think you could add more of him. The amount. No, I, yeah, I think it's the right amount. Because it like it sets it up tonally as here is your drama piece. You know that you're here. You know that this is artifice, and I'm the person behind the you know clacker, you know the the, the director clacker telling you to take one. I'm the one who brings you into the scene. Not unlike Jeff Probst, who I suspect uh, came didn't come to the table. He just sort of. You know, recorded all his lines in one day. Finally, we can talk about Jeff Probst again. <laughs> did we not? Did we not already talk about Jeff? All right, Probst? survivors, dance for me. I'm just always waiting for the option. I uh, I want to talk about some of the good, the other good side characters that are not the perps because mm-hmm. I thought that this show is well populated with some pretty relatable kind of side characters. Yeah. Um, it, it, when we were talking about Case Closed way back when, we talked about how. Because you can't just always focus on the main character because every every week is a new crime, is a new set of people whom you have to interact with, and they have to have personalities or you don't care that the crime happened. And they do that here. They make me care about the, the side characters that kind of show for the plot. So for to give an a, example of that, uh, in one thing they encounter t- two dancers, um, Tina and Toby, who have like a classic 50s married couple relationship <laughs> where the husband is in too deep with gambling debts. <laughs> And I have you another quote I that I want to bring you, up. But I'm in too deep. <laughs> Sorry. Anytime, anytime I get a good music quote, I got to sing this song. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's then every you. time I'm you sing a little bit, you have you. to explain why you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't remember. So it's very good. That 1986, you're explaining it there was this album called uh, Invisible Touch by a band called Genesis, and one of the tracks was called In Too Deep. 
I'm so right, I write this happy down for the quiz how later. quickly you're able to give us context because a lot of times people on the podcast would be like, "There was the okay, so there was a commercial, and, <laughs> and you're just <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you don't give us any preamble. You the... assume we're gonna land on our feet. <laughs> I just assume that no one knows these because I because I assumed like, why the hell did he just sing? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I know that those words, you're those doing words it for have you. some meaning to this cartoon show. <laughs> I assume that I have to explain it to the audience. It's I'm the I'm the Ingrid third. Although I guess no, I'm the uh, Fillmore, and you guys are the Ingrid thirds. Going like, what's Genesis? <laughs> Ingrid third. We're the, the Ingrid second. third and fourth. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to st- I wanted to cite a couple of lines from the the dancers because like the Go husband ahead. has a gambling problem, and they like confront him about it. And Toby goes, well, not the husband, but like they're basically husband and wife. That's that's the role that they are playing on the stage. And one of them says. Tina, you gotta believe me. It's a bum rap, I swear it. <laughs> I looked the other way when you experimented with merengue dancing, but this? <laughs> spending our whole stash in one of those low-class jelly joints? You didn't just lose our stash, Toby. You lost me. Wow. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so good. Um, fun just s- never lets up. Fun side note, I just connected that her last name is, is Third, and in recess, we had a character named uh, Thaddeus T. Third the Fifth. Oh, you think they're related? That's what I was thinking. Well, I think she, like they. I moved. think she. They would have to be like distant cousins because she's like Japanese American. I think is she? I couldn't read it. I think so. They, well, they, I just they, remember it's they like went another way to have a very diverse cast, so it yeah. just made you very aware of like how am I supposed to read this person? <laughs> Speaking of, uh, they also I saw one ep- one in one episode that one of the perps was a a, a girl in a wheelchair, which I thought was kind of yeah. neat. Hmm. Yeah, this show had a lot of wheelchair, uh, kids in wheelchairs, and then there's an episode in the future where there's a kid in a wheelchair who, it turns out, is faking it. <sighs> yeah, and it's like, you faked an injury. It's like, I don't need my legs. What? Wait, what are you saying? Are you saying says, you wish that like, he There's a lot of details here. Real? She, she, <laughs> yeah, she's she's, a, probably a lot she's like, I don't use my legs. Why do I need my legs unless it's a video g- It's an episode with that involves like video games. Like, there's this character who uh-huh. plays video games, and she's like, in a wheelchair, she has like She's like, I have broken legs. That's why I'm in a wheelchair. Oh. And then she's uh, she runs away from them. She like wheelchairs away from him, and they even say like, "Can we chase someone in a wheelchair?" Sort of like the one of the few kind of <laughs> one of the few. Yeah, you kind wouldn't of have a glasses, would you? Yeah, Pelswick thing. One, one of the few kind of wink, wink moments in the show. And I think Fillmore's line is, "The question is, can we catch her? <laughs> oh. Can we catch a kid?" In a Fillmore, you're so cool. And then they 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 run after her, and she like crashes into something, and she gets up, and she. Un- she like takes like velcro off her cast pulls them off gets on her feet and runs away and then she runs and she again another one of the few kind of wink wink moments where she just sort of stops and says running much easier in cross country video game <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, I mean, it, there easy are joke, jokes okay. in here it's just they fit and they don't slow anything down. That yeah. that's the difference between him and between that and Jimmy Olsen is that like it just when he says something, it slows things down. When some oh, no, when a I joke like that happens, it. it doesn't slow anything down. Yeah. Um let's move into tone and genre and really, really explore the main reason that we're watching this show, which is the cop drama action parody. It's absolutely uh, a parody of a cop show down to a T. To its bones. To its very soul. And I I don't know how concisely we can actually put together how well it's done, but as you said earlier, Zane, it's just it's so consistent and uncompromising in that parody. It doesn't break character for a second. Yeah, and it does that thing that like 
a good cop show will do where you move around, you're interacting with new people, you're gaining glimpses of information and kind of piecing together this puzzle as you go. And because you're like, you feel like you're on the move, no scene lasts too long. So it's very punchy. Well, structurally, it's like, uh, you know, a cop drama. But but I think specifically the, the part that's impressive to me is that, you know, in, in Clone High, how much the parody was like sublime. It, it's like the whole focus of the show, with the exception of the principal, was to make the teen drama parody. Yeah. And hey, because guys, they did it so well. And because <laughs> that's all I wanted from the show, it just it gave me exactly what I wanted. And this is doing the same thing. For a different genre it's only delivering one thing but it's delivering it extremely extremely well mm-hmm. I, I would go so far as to say it's not a parody you, you think it's just in the genre yeah i, I don't know I that like the the fact that they are doing the the adults as kids kind of thing don't, don't you think that changes it it's, somewhat it's it's like a localization of an anime it is just updating the references and changing the scenario but it is it it's too straight like in, in like you say in clone high it was so over the top here it's at the level and it's just at the best level i guess so and they're just using the middle school props rather than you know an actual police station yeah 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 it, it's embodying the genre that it originally sought out to make fun of yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is which is good like i'm i'm still pretty into it like that doesn't change anything about my enjoyment of it i still love it we should maybe give some examples of the ways in which i think we've already given some examples but if you had any ready to like really show us how much of it it is i I would love to hear a thing that happened consistently i'm trying to think of specific examples but um you will pick up on something a character says and you will be like i know right now that that's the guy yeah you don't have hard evidence yet so you kind of have to wait <laughs> mm-hmm. and that there's like a little bit of like sherlock mystery to it as well because like if you figure it out before they do you feel a little smart and that's like half the fun of some of these shows uh, yeah although i, I kind of wish may, and it may just be that i'm like remembering watching the episode as a kid and then i remember it but it's kind of it's to me that's always been a disappointment when i figure out the mystery before it. the people on camera figure out the mystery mm-hmm I don't know why, I've just never liked that. Similar to, I, I kind of like the surprise, but then again, I don't like the M. Night Shyamalan where we have to have something catch the audience by surprise to the point right. where we're always catch, where we're never caught, because we know there's a surprise, we're never caught by surprise. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, like, that's that's part of the genre, though. Like, it, when they are doing that, they're not really expecting to catch you by surprise. They're just trying to pull you into the medium. Well, uh, sometimes they do the surprise where, like, oh, we think we have this case all wrapped up, but, oh, no, we got the wrong guy, or, like, it was a fall guy, or something Sometimes. Like that. They do that every episode. It's <laughs> no, there's not, a couple... It's less th- obvious sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a couple so. episodes where it's the guy we anticipate from the beginning. It's just how do they catch him? Like, how do they catch him in the in the web? Yeah, like like the like the aforementioned guy who is sort of like a I can't even remember the name of the character. The episode where Ingrid Third is accused mm-hmm. and gets oh, off. Oh, I yeah. oh I've got his name somewhere around here. Uh, I'll, I'll find it. Don't worry. Okay, how did he not? How did again? How did he not get another episode? Someone dropped the ball. He yeah, I, I would have loved to see him again. And they were definitely uh, at Parnassus. His name was fucking Parnassus. Who named these kids? <laughs> I don't know who named who named that uh, underground like. Uh, you know, a box top uh, gambling ring owner Johnny Nevada. We'll it's never, we'll never know. So well, I love there's the episode yeah. with the. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch it, the Saturday Nine episode. 
Uh, I did not. That's the SAT parody thing, right? It's a parody of the SAT, and there's a girl <laughs> saying, Stop the Sadie 9! It's a crime! Stop the Sadie 9! like, who came up with the name Sadie 9? Sadie 9. And again, who was, who was like, I don't remember ever protesting the SATs as a kid. I don't remember anyone doing that as a kid. These like, kids are very vocal. Yeah, yeah this was, is sold as, like, one of the biggest middle schools in the country. So there's, you know, this is why there's a ton of clubs and a ton of new characters every time. But also, like... They're, they can just draw from any reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if it's a thing that could happen at any middle or high school, it can happen here. Yeah. We get the episode where they meet, like, the Harry Potter kids. Only it's not Harry Potter because Disney doesn't own the rights to Harry Potter. It's some other It's some other genre. Wait, were they actual wizards in the context of the show? No, they were. Uh, it was, like, vampire astronauts. Sure I just really blew your what? mind, didn't I? What? <laughs> <laughs> but it was you... it was a book about a vampire. You had me at vampire astronauts. <laughs> vampire astronauts, and they're trying to. It's like like the big thing is it's like trying to ruin the uh, the contest, and like the winner of the contest gets to be in the next vampire book. And... What would a vampire astronaut eat? Because it wouldn't be human blood. There's no humans up there. Well, it's freeze dried human blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to rehydrate it and shit. Mm-hmm. The the bigger problem is how do you like so much of astronomy involves mirrors and looking and vampires are invisible to mirrors. Yeah, and they would never know when they were okay to go out and uh, go out into the day. Yeah, there's so much sun. Know. Yeah, that's a quote in the episode is like vampire astronauts come on, don't be stupid. Vampires can't survive in the depths of outer space because of all the solar heat out there. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, 100% agree, Fillmore. And I'm I'm betting that that line was delivered with all the gravity of an Oscar-winning performance. (laughs) (laughs) No irony at all. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's the best thing about the show. And sometimes, some uh, speaking to the cop drama aspect, sometimes we do get a cool action scene where they need to like use a unique environment to like trip up the enemy, and like they end up breaking some things, and they get chewed out by the chief. Yeah, the action parody, the the action uh, drama Chasing. stuff is also extremely good because, like, you know, you, you when you, I think that kind of bleeds into the, like another aspect of the of the of the genre conventions, which is that when you're in some sort of middle school setting, you can make it look like a like a like a cop drama setting. Mm-hmm. So, like, the for the Hannibal Lecter parody. If they're in detention, well, it looks like they're in an insane asylum, like isolated, uh, mm-hmm. isolated room kind of thing. Even though it's, you know, it was just detention for vandalizing, but they treat it very seriously. Or if like, if a dr- disgruntled school reporter has, he, he like goes into a house of mirrors for some reason, and we get that nice kind of like cop in the middle with a gun, ro- looking all around, and the villain is in each of the mirrors, kind of kind of scene, you know. Um, and it's just like a good way to set up those sort of weird little moments you were talking about mm-hmm. where like, and now we're doing an action scene in a place that a middle school wouldn't have, but because we are very clearly embodying something that isn't a middle school right now, it'll still work out. Well, hmm. there's no like, you know, obligate, like, uh, well, I guess there was, never mind. There was Mount St. Uh, there was that one where it was like Mount St. Convenience. So I was going to say they never, there's Mount no Saint like convenience Mount St. or Mount St. Uh, What's what's the um, not Deus Ex Machina, but one of the other ones? Yeah, it was, it was like Mount Saint plot something. I plot device, yeah. Thank you. So occasionally there'll be something like that, but even then, 
Yeah, they do, I, the, they the do gags. them as background jokes, though. Like, uh, yeah. when Fillmore is chasing someone down for stealing the school mascot, he interrogates someone whose locker falls open and then contains a book called Caring for Your Stolen Mascot. <laughs> and, like, it, it doesn't deliberate on it. He doesn't call attention to it. You just see it, and then the next... And then, they, and then the perp runs, and we're back into it. You know, One. it's just, like, a little joke. He was a huge fan of The Simpsons, um, especially the writing that was happening back then with Al Jean and those guys. And he loved weaving in little, you know, little gifts to the fans. You know, it was always important to have the signs, you know, the the carnival ride, anything always had to be clever. So if a kid paused the TV, they would see a really cool, funny sign. or Mount Saint... You know, I just remember it was a Mount Saint convenience or Mount Saint uh, exposition yeah, or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so that's what he he loved. He loved those little Easter eggs for everybody. One kid stole uh, like a golf cart, uh, and then like they they were trying to stop it, and they got it. it they crashed it into the Figgy Pudding Festival. And like got him stuck in a in a vat of figgy pudding, and all the like really British kids in grayscale clothes were like, "Oh dear!" Like, <laughs> and like it doesn't it doesn't stop the momentum of the show. It's very funny, but it's not a joke. <laughs> I wanted to join that club when I was in school. The figgy, the figgy pudding, pudding club. Yeah, but there was that there was that one uh, intro episode where they chased down the kid who, um, like I don't know if you guys remember, like he he has like candy from peru that's gonna be used that he's gonna use in the vending machines because apparently it's like so close to quarters it'll pass he's like, this stuff will get you <laughs> wow. and Fillmore's like but isn't that supposed to go to the isn't aren't those quarters supposed to go to charity and eh, charity starts at home and he ends <laughs> up chasing so the, he ends up chasing the kid down and crashing uh, principal Folsom's birthday celebration and landing at principal Folsom's non-dairy uh, dairy-free cake and mm-hmm. they get chewed out. He gets chewed out the next day. It's like you could have picked any other day <laughs> to to Fillmore. I need to see you in my office. Any mm-hmm. other day, you had to ruin her birthday. Mm-hmm. I I love how the action scenes, like they're really well put together, and the music, good choreography. Like the, yeah, great, and just like great feeling. Like in a cop show, I'm thinking of like Blue Streak or something when he's running down downtown, yeah. like jumping over fences, mo- breaking through people's houses. Like you're not worried about collateral damage, and it's only after the action scene ends where you're like, "Oh, I could have done that better." Yeah, like someone's got to pay for this crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like this guy was stealing. It's like. He was stealing candy. I don't care if he was stealing directly from my own mother. <laughs> yeah, my mother. Jackie Chan just punched every part of this building <laughs> until it was destroyed. <laughs> like, that's a bigger issue. Uh, I wanted. I want to mention, you know, it, we were talking a lot about how sublime and focused the parody is. I think there is one element of the show that suffers because it is doing that so hard, which is that the characters do take a little bit of a backseat in terms of characterization because Fillmore is the loose cannon. You know, that that is most of his character. You know, he doesn't get a lot of personality beyond that. And that's kind of true across the board. You know, I don't know anything about Vallejo other than he's the junior commissioner and loves fishing. (laughs) He's had it up to here. 
he, and yeah. that he's had it up to here. Yeah. So when you embody a genre of this precisely, you do give a little bit of that wiggle room up to actually say anything with your characters that isn't already what the characters' parts are. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and I do agree with you. That's one of the kind of the few downfalls of this show is no one develops. And as we, as I previously stated, Danny O'Farrell never gets that moment where he turns into a badass. No, he's he's very type. He's very much a type of yeah. of character in the cop genre, right? And then there's yeah, and then there's that one character played by Danny Tamborelli. Uh, what's his name? The one of the other safety patrollers. He doesn't really get much development either, and I was kind of disappointed about that. Yeah, when we're when we're looking at an interesting character, it's usually one of the side characters because they yeah. do have the wherewithal to be something other than what the format tells them to be yeah or they're mm-hmm. really over the top like oh my god the the pressure from my baking competition drove me to a life of crime like oh okay <laughs> right well and even that you're just inhabiting the genre conventions to a ludicrous degree that's not really saying anything mm. um i i want to talk about the kids as a, the adults as kids kind of thing that they do in mm-hmm. order to put in order to put this cop drama in middle schoolers' hands, they make a lot of concessions, and those concessions lead to some very funny moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm thinking of is specifically things like where um, Fillmore is talking to some kid who you know is in the know for this um, underground ring of trading baseball cards or something like that, and he's talking to him. And while they're talking, he has in his hand, like, a pack of, like, Pop Rocks or something, and he gives kind of, he gives Fillmore a significant glance, and he's like, you mind if I, uh, and it's like he's asking them if he can smoke in here. <laughs> and he's like, please, go ahead. And he, like, starts eating the Pop Rocks and, like, starts saying, ooh, that was a big one. You know, like, <laughs> like pre- pretending as though he's getting high. It's, it's like, pretty good. <laughs> But not uh, pop rocks because we don't own the brain. We don't own the no, brain. of course. I, We're Disney, but we don't own everything. Well, yeah. We're close. We're Sh- getting sugar there. sparks, mm-hmm. right? So, like every attempt to kidify an adult concept is pretty good. Like when they use the trading cards in place of actual money in a gambling ring, or using the mm. hot cho- hot cocoa for instead of coffee. That's all pretty good. Special mention goes to Fillmore's rap sheet in the intro. Oh. Did you guys take a look at this? No. I didn't. See, I think it's, it's in an episode as well. It's pretty fast, and they call attention to it in the lore, but Fillmore's rap sheet, it has him on one side, and I think he's got like a like a weird little smock that doesn't fit his current safety patroller office, officer costume. Um, his rap sheet is as follows. Chalk boosting, locker rigging, comic book poker ring, class cutting, milk counterfeiting, parentheses non-dairy creamer <laughs> and back talkery i was gonna ask how did he counterfeit milk like like that's one of those things where it's better not to inquire further like counterfeit milk that's just the end of the sentence i believe like, it's not butter but i won't pay full price <laughs> back talkery is very british like yeah victorian the figgy yes. pudding kids would have never got accused of i say butter. yeah that yeah. that's brilliant i think they like, they have a ton of fun brainstorming how to do that. Like, they could honestly just be copying plots directly from Law & Order if they wanted it's to. It's like in any kid's show where they want to have a murder crime, but instead of doing murder, they just break a statue. Mm-hmm. And they, they talk about it. him like he was cut down in his prime and stuff like they that. They do do that. They, they, they do it a lot that. in different shows. Yeah, that's how. that's the reason that so many statues get broken. Like, in Rugrats, they do it with the... 
You know, that nightmare porcelain porcelain clown that (laughs) Stu Pickles for some reason invents. (laughs) And they have a mock trial. No, I got to do my angelic impression. That stupid clown with its stupid smile. And (laughs) stupid laugh. (laughs) I never understood why, like, she didn't translate. Like, she would have... Like, does she reach an age where she can't talk to the baby? I guess this is... Oh, she's like, no, those were figments of her imagination. Okay. I guess we should save it for the Rugrats podcast. She's like Meowth. She's the only organism that can talk to both, you know... Yeah. Both both adults and and infants. Rugrats will be our final episode, so... That always weirded me out that, that no one thought more of Meowth, the character. Oh, he should be he should be sitting on a pile of diamonds by this point. You should be going like, what the hell? How is it like like I never understood that like he's a talking Pokemon and you'd think there'd be more moments where people would Do go, you remember oh my the... god, you have a talking meow. That was the best <laughs> episode. You... That was a really good episode. Where, like they, they personalized it. and gave Meowth backstory because he was trying to catch the eye of some other Meowth or something like that. Yeah, so he learned to speak English. <laughs> the idea that he's the only one who bothered to try. Because we see Pokemon talk to each other, like, when they're all isolated, and there's, like, subtitles, so clearly... I'm sure this... I haven't seen the new uh, Detective Pikachu, but I imagine a lot of this is, is trod there. I hope so. I, I'm going to have to watch that at some point. I heard that it was, you know, fairly good, considering nobody thought it would actually be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I want I'll to get see it on them, DVD. I want to see them, like, incorporate all of the, like, failed, bad uh, video game movies and just consolidate them in, into, like, an Avengers-esque uh, expanded universe. They had that trailer for Sm- Super Smash Brothers movie. Oh, did they? Did they really? I mean, like, it was a it was a fake trailer, obviously, oh. but, like, it was, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty, like, uh, painstakingly and, and, and considerately put together. Like, I, I got the feeling, like, the person who made it really wanted it to happen. Uh, we all really want it to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in. Oh, and well, it does, what? like, a, it does a cover of the first song to accompany the uh, original Super Smash Brothers game coming out. It, like, that commercial that's so happy together oh, commercial. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the trailer has like a yeah. The trailer for this quote unquote Super Smash Brothers movie has a cover of that. That's really great. And is it like a heavy metal death metal? So happy together. No, I I think it's I think it's something really like kind of heart rending. Like it's (laughs) I I don't remember exactly. It's like a tragic piano piece or something. Uh, Uh, Let's go into animation, unless you guys are no. That's fine. I wanted to. Can we talk about the intro a little bit? Yes, please. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go into the intro, I'm going to make sure that we don't spend any more time on the intro than the intro itself. So you're limited to three hours. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I I don't, like, I I feel like it got, like, something had to have, like, it got changed at some point because the first season intro has footage from the second season in it. So either, either... It does because there's footage I recognize, like a Vallejo leaving a cell that's only in episode, that's only in season two because Vallejo yeah, so is the best is a, character. This huh. is a clip show, if anyone was not clear. If if either that or all of the episodes had been produced already by the time the show's intro was made, because this is one of those intros where it's sort of like the Superman the animated series intro where I guess they ran out of time and or money, and they just sort of threw footage together from the show and made an intro out of it. Yeah. I don't disagree, but like I think that the the footage they chose to put into the intro is you know the correct footage to show because yeah. it is telling the story of this is the joke we will be making. Uh, you know, <laughs> Fillmore up. is diving through like a window, and then it's and then it's shown to be a prop that two like you know drama club <laughs> kids are holding. 
you know that that's the joke we're making this whole this whole thing that's that's what we're up 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 against and uh the Um, intro theme is by ukla the mock and i think they just wanted to play more of their song because and it takes you several episodes to remember that this is what happens (laughs) the intro reaches a very natural conclusion it's like final drawn out long chord uh, with the character silhouettes against a white background, and then it, Which is how it starts it ends up, up again. Yeah, <laughs> until they do it again with the title drop. Yeah, it's. I can't it's easy imagine. You get stuck in your head because of that. It is a good. I can't theme, imagine though. the decision that went into it. Because that is very unnatural for the pacing of, I, of the intro. I do like the bombast if- of the intro theme, like. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah, it's like a Bond intro. Yeah, like Bond, but also like on the streets because it it has the um, those like parallel harmonies in between those two big things uh, that denotes mm-hmm. movement. I wonder if the I wonder who made the because the intros sometimes they're not made by the people who make the show. Sometimes that happens. I wonder if this is one of those same situations where Disney actually made the intro. Yeah, yeah. There's marketing research go- that goes into that kind of thing that really. Doesn't jive too well with the, the the creative vision aspect of these things. Listen to my Paula Beta in, in, interview for specifics. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to take a listen. Super big product fun show. That's the show. <laughs> That's a good show. That's a good show uh, name. Tells you everything. Uh, they, you they, they hated that name with a passion, and they were like, "That if you call it that and market it that, this show will die a cruel death." Yeah, <laughs> they were not wrong. <laughs> no. Um, so getting back to the uh, the animation here, uh, like we said, this is kind of classic Disney style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it very closely resembles Recess. Uh, by the way, Recess also did a very good job kind of inhabiting a heist tone at some points. So I, I almost feel like Disney is just pretty good at doing the parody thing when mm-hmm. they want to. I think the models of our two main characters are a real high point here. Um, they cut great poses. Yeah, they do. Fillmore... Very, very facial expressions. Very good facial expressions. Well, Fillmore, like, has this bald head that gives him a roundness. Like, you know, you, you think about character shapes, round means kind of, like, soft and cuddly. But what it does here is it makes him less intimidating to us. Because he's yeah. so intense. Hey, you probably needed him to be a little less intimidating, considering he's, like, a black guy people. portrayed on the, in, in, a, well, in no, a kid's cartoon. he's constantly interrogating children. Yeah, yeah. like, it, it, it evokes some bad kind of dog whistle kind of imagery if you do it that. So, like, he, he needed some softening. His baldness also lets his eyebrows do a lot of the talking. He's got some great expressions. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't do to ha- have him have an afro or something. That would not do. <laughs> this isn't undercover brother. Shaft babies. <laughs> There's one episode where... They go undercover, and he, they go undercover a lot in the show. Which I love God, it when they, they go, go undercover. Thank God they go undercover. It's brilliant when it happens. It's so good. But there's one episode where he's wearing, like, dreadlocks, and he, he's like, I what? think it may, be the, it may be the quarter episode. Yeah, man, you got the the quarter intro. He's like, you got this oh, stuff, Oh, that's brave. <laughs> that's well, a brave decision. You could tell he hates it. If he were played by a white actor, then I think it would be problematic, but the fact that they actually got an African-American actor to play the African-American character, mm-hmm. I think, kind of makes it okay. Yeah, they, they seemed to have a sensitivity to it in this show. I, I don't know if it makes it 100% okay. You still... You, I don't know. There's there's worse stuff that has happened in cartoons where you're like, ooh. Can yeah, you? Could you not? They do go undercover a lot, and it, it works, but like, 
everybody should know even in a big school everyone should know who Fillmore is like pretty quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like everyone should be talking about him constantly well that's why that, he's that's a menace why, yeah. well it's that's the tw- did you guys ever watch the show 21 Jump Street the no. Johnny Depp the, show the show not the movie the show not the movie the show no well, and it's one of those things where Johnny. So, for those who don't know, Twenty One Jump Street was a show in the '80s that kind of put Fox. It was sort of Fox's big show that was like their first big hit. Uh, I guess, Mar- and then oh, Married so to Children. So they're to blame. Yeah, um, but um, it, it was a show where Johnny Depp. This was before he was big. Johnny Depp played a cop who was like young looking and went undercover into a school. You know, like they actually have cops that do this in real life, apparently. Yeah. Went undercover mm. in school as a student and would bust drug dealers and bad kids in the school. And it's one of those kind of fun cop trope dramas where, you, like, wouldn't by episode four, <laughs> everyone in school know that this guy was a narc? You think yeah, word would th- spread. That's why, that's why instead so you need to take a stitches. child and turn him into a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of you, you, uh, what you really need is a randall on the oh, uh, randall. on the inside what, so moist what do you think of ingrid's character design um a little stereotypical kind of you know goth girl for me like i, yeah. I we already saw her in danny phantom i feel I, like you know sam i, thought, I feel like well danny ahead. well danny phantom came later so this predates that but um I'm sure young Josh McCloud would have had a crush on her because oh, young yeah. Josh McCloud had a crush. I think didn't every dorky kid, dorky male heterosexual kid, have a crush on Raven at some point during the Teen yes. Titans? So but it's I sort of found her pretty obnoxious, to be honest. Quit <laughs> <laughs> giving us introverts a bad name. It's it's that goth thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I at first I don't mind that she's goth. I just hate that all of them kind of run with the same playbook as far as like the look well, she's go. not though is she what she has is a lot of black and white contrast to her but mm-hmm. i think it's more to give her that noir edge and they just didn't they didn't communicate well enough that it wasn't goth i didn't understand that because I, I i don't think it was intentional it seemed pretty obvious to me like the big eyelashes the the eyeshadow it, it read as goth yeah she definitely falls into the character arc of goth and the, the episode where she comes to school for the first time and they throw ping pong balls at her and she's like this school sucks which for years i thought was from detention because that was another show that that tara strong was on um i oh. had those scenes mixed up in my mind for some strange reason hmm. um you know she she definitely falls in i think in the goth outsider uh thing but again this was pre-raven so it could be a number of factors I didn't really love her character design. It didn't get in my way at all. I mean, I was pretty focused on Fillmore, to be totally honest. There, there's something that I noticed about them that I couldn't unsee after mm. I saw it, Go which ahead. is that the way that Ingrid's uh, uh, like shapes are organized in her character model, she looks like a question mark, and Fillmore looks like an exclamation point. I oh, did not pick up on, on that. But I, ben, Ben's going to go look up that right now. So is Josh. That, perplexing and it and it fits because the title of the show has an exclamation point but look just look at them <laughs> look at the way that their default stances are i'm looking up fillmore and ingrid and i pray that i don't get any kind of creepy uh, oh yeah i mean oh, like, you know you're going page. to um okay i, I can kind of see it it's a bit of a stretch eh. i i don't see it i don't see it. it's i, I can't unsee let me, it let me put it to you this way. I wouldn't have noticed it if you hadn't pointed it out. Sure. It's sort of like the Tickle Me Elmo that supposedly said it's time to, to die. 
like I never would have picked <laughs> up on that unless there was this. Okay, so like uh, this was like fifteen <laughs> years ago. There was an Elmo. Come here, YouTube. I got some questions. There was an Elmo doll that came out that set that was like bathroom time Elmo to you know teach kids how to go to the bathroom, you know potty training Elmo or something like that. And the, the Elmo doll it said, "Uh oh, it's time to go." And parents apparently thought it said, "Uh oh, it's time to die." And it's one of those things where you, I, I never would have picked up on that in a million years unless you pointed it out to me. <laughs> I'm looking up, uh, oh god, they got annotations on it. This video is shocking, creepy, and kind of funny, lol. <laughs> it was a big meme in the, two, in the early, in like 2006, I think. Um, the... Remember memes? Remember oh, you yeah. now, dog? There, there's, yeah. there's, the memes are still around. <laughs> um, the other thing that's really great about, um, or just interesting about the way that the characters look is um, they all have that orange safety patrol sash, which like normally is fairly like neutral as Kinda a geeky. thing in general, just because like I was on safety patrol and like, oh yeah, we got a sash. But here it becomes more like a badge. It's a like badge. they look great. They, yeah. they they take on that characteristic. And everybody knows what it means. Like when they talk about that they're gonna go to the underground uh you know uh baseball card trading gambling ring thing uh the the guy who kind of is telling Fillmore the score is like but make sure you don't wear your badges you're gonna have to go undercover they don't take too kindly to orange down there <laughs> they don't take too kindly to orange. orange you heard it <laughs> oh oh yeah it's good god this show's beep this show's brilliant it's like I, I mean I'm you know we're suckers absolute suckers for a good parody that respect the fact that like you really need to commit in order to make yeah. me believe it. So, like, it's... I don't know if you knew it would hit us this way, but, like, hat, rats off to you, Joshua. It's <laughs> like, wanted, this is perfect for us. I'll be honest, the only reason I picked this show was because I wanted to do an impression of Junior Commission Vallejo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, it is your chance, so do as much as you want. Relaford! Relaford! <laughs> I need you guys doing your podcast, and I need it now. Wholesome's on my back. I swear to God. <laughs> I'm going to the chiropractor. <laughs> I love how much he how much he sounds like a, like he's middle aged. <laughs> yeah, uh, too, yeah, yeah. He's just one minute away from him saying I'm getting too old for this shit. I kind of yep. I kind of he's one bad day. I'm trying to imagine like a third season where he graduates and goes to high school, and now F Fillmore has to be the commissioner. I think if there had oh. been a third, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, the, I would imagine that is like the finale. Like, but I don't I, think imagine it would work. If, yeah, again, I don't think it would either. That's, again, if if this show had another season, I think it would be identical to the first and second. I'm really just okay with more of this. Yeah. Like, I feel, there's so much, look, I mean, how many seasons did Law & Order have without changing the formula? You could 21. do it. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be hard. And there's new crimes now. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, we could do, like, cyber security shit. <laughs> Well, there's that one episode that you guys haven't seen where they, they uh, the compute like the computers are all down. I'm like, wow, 2002 at its finest. They can't yeah. run a computer search because their computers are down. That little girl from Jurassic Park got in there and just hacked them up good. <laughs> and now they're all, now all of our email is selling us dick pills. <laughs> who? Okay, who applied for Knock Knock Joke a Day? Take a guess, by the way, which character applied for Knock Knock Joke a Day? Oh, it's Danny. Jimmy Olsen. It's fucking Danny. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Be oh, here's a joke for you. Knock Knock. I'm not going to do Who's it. There? You can do it. Guess who? Guess who who? 
Guess who was too stupid and caused five viruses on the computer with his <laughs> stupid knock-knock joke email? But, you know, if 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 the dick pills virus did show up, someone would be like, looks like I got to go back to Dicks my old... Go. Gotta gotta go uh, gotta go meet my contact. He's got all kinds of pills and all kinds of dicks. <laughs> well, going back to the thing, there's no like I, I don't. Okay, so my middle school, granted, we didn't. I was went to a pretty good middle school, but like, there's no kids selling Humble pot brag. in this middle school. There were no drug busts at all. You're telling me none. I know it was oh, crazy. Goodness, but the other side. <laughs> I went to Catholic school, so you know, there was other stuff that was going on, but. Not so, that other stuff. Said. Not said. that Catholic edition. Not that other stuff, but not... <laughs> yeah, Fillmore Catholic edition. <laughs> Do you know if he had a plan, like a plan for a finale or anything like that? You Just know, that, him, that but... I don't... I don't remember. I actually don't. I, I just don't remember if we were really surprised as much. Um, but I think we thought it might go another couple seasons. That's what I remember, but I can't speak for him and what he remembers. But uh, I think there was talk at some point to have some kind of, you know, like a Fillmore movie type thing to wrap it up. But, you know, I, I don't know if he ever did. Yeah. That's the thing. We we had a, we were talking about, we myself and these guys, we didn't know what the finale would be. Like, like how would it have yeah. ended? He would graduate, right? I guess. Would he go we, to high school? We had a theory that Chief Commissioner Vallejo would graduate and then Fillmore would take over, but I think we cut, I think we were like, but that would, that would, that would kind of violate what the show was. One of the things I loved about the show was that, that it, 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 there was no character, a lot of shows like that tend to have the one character who looks at the camera and winks. There was, like, everything yeah. was taken with the absolute severity, which I loved. Yes. Yeah. And he thought, Kids would get that humor, you know? And I think you you appreciated that when you were 12. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was played that way. Yeah, I'd, I would I would assume it would be something like that. Either Ingrid, Ingrid would leave or, uh, you know, he would become, right, he'd become the chief. Um, or, you know, they'd disband the program because of funding or you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so so I did want to make a make a mention of the because we're still in animation presumably uh, we I did want to make a mention of the lighting because I I think that there is good attention to the detail with as far as that goes Um, in one point they're in kind of a it's it's the action scene so they're running down the perp and they go into like a tire jungle gym kind of thing just like in recess you know the ashley's hideout mm-hmm. and they're going in there and they find the 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 perp and he's standing in the center of that room and there's like one shaft of light that's coming down from an open tire up there and it's like casting half of his face in shadow and it's like ingrid gets there first and you can only see half of her face too and the rest is in shadow like it's just very dramatic yeah, there's a lot of lurking into shadows that that happens. Yeah, the way, and then that stink that a, bomb goes off in there, and they run away from an explosion. Yeah, was there was that an actual thing that happens in grade school where they just have a bunch of again? I'm the better half. I'm the I'm the better half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, was that an actual thing that grade schools have bathrooms? 
No, not bathrooms. No, um, tire, 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 a tire jungle Just gym a big things. pile of tires that kids play in. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> this was this was before this was the nineties. This was before safety laws. Yeah, we had playgrounds if... that were primarily made of splinters. It, it was before it was wood be- chips on the ground. It's <laughs> like this will cushion your fall, kids. <laughs> yeah, that, back in the seventies, where this show exists, is it was before the safety dance. So the, the safety <laughs> patrol really just was not up to snuff. No pants either. Yep, everybody look at him. We can dance if we want to. You can leave your friends behind because if they don't dance. Then they don't dance. Well, they're no friends of mine. What's the what's the and reference on that dance, song? To... That's that's an actual. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the safety dance was an actual dance. No, I know. <laughs> dreamed dreamt, dreamt up by Ivan Dorichuk, the lead singer of Men Without Hats, but it was based on stuff he was seeing in clubs at the time. I love how quick you are with this. How do you know this? He's got I watched the, a lot he's got of a photographic I, memory. You <laughs> <laughs> just that photographic memory helping you out. Yeah, my my. Quick tangent, my boss once said, oh, you have, like, a photogenic memory. And I'm like, no, photographic. <laughs> photogenic means you oh, look good yeah. on camera. And that became an instant running joke. That's amazing. Josh's I photogenic memory. I want to draw memory. your memory. <laughs> like, it's like the nice way May of saying I that you, you have nostalgia. <laughs> like, I love it. Rose tinted I'm going to bring it up again. <laughs> Let's go into music and sound. Oh, yeah. Walter Murphy. What about he, him? He, he worked Walter on Family Guy, and then he worked on this show. Really? Oh man, yeah. Family Guy happened first. That's a brain mess melter right there. Y- yeah, I don't understand what that even means. Rachel McFarlane, Seth's sister, was on the show. Well, did she do the music? I'm confused. Uh, how did we get <laughs> no. here? Walter Joe, uh, was it not Walter, Walter, Walter Murphy? He did the music for the show. So that's the, uh, that's the end of the story. I have no. <laughs> oh God! Walter Murphy All right. did the music. Hard for the reset. Show. Music. <laughs> okay. The music was done by Walter Murphy, um, and it's got a very '70s cop show, like yeah, it's that maybe disco, maybe porn music that I love so much. Yeah, it it pushes it pushes things forward. It keeps it light and active. It makes it easy for scene transitions. Like it's very functional. When, as Wendell Jones would say, this music has really good hit points when characters do something dynamic. So during that, you know porn 70s disco music uh when they're you know in a chase scene if they jump or slide or do anything like that that's punctuated generally with like a trumpet mm-hmm. the perp jumps over a thing it's like bow and then Fillmore jumps over the thing it does a higher bow and then like ingrid will jump over it and bow so it does like things in triplets and i found that happening a lot and it just like made it really punctuated in a really good uh action scene I realize now you guys aren't going to be able to do like we did with the Sonic podcast where you put in music from the video games. So instead, no. you're going to have to put in various, you know, cop show themes. Porn music. Or to help transition. Oh. Yeah, cop show <laughs> themes. <laughs> I don't think that doesn't sound that bad to me. Do you have a favorite one that we can maybe do? I mean, it's not a cop. Hill Street Blues is probably the best one, but that's like so somber. and, and We'll and, look uh, it up. We'll find yeah, a somber moment for it. Uh, also, but I'll, I'll, put it, I'll cut in the law and order, chung chung, like anytime we change topics. <laughs> I mean, you awesome. gotta do chi- you gotta do China Groove by uh, by the Doobie Brothers because that was used on Starsky and Hutch. Nice. The Doobie Brothers were their names. I never got that before. The Doobie Brothers. Why do you think they were called that? I've always wondered. Hmm. I thought their last name was Doobie. <laughs> Hi. Sure. Well, bit, I, <laughs> I legitimately <laughs> thought that, and it never occurred to me it might be anything else. Well, that was a bit. That was a bit that I. 
that I did that I like to do a lot, which is, hi, we're the Doobie Brothers. Not the famous <laughs> singing group from the 70s, but two male siblings who happen to have the name Doobie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, weird and... That's a very Joshua McCloud joke. I like whenever somebody uses the word dubious to say, Ad- dubious, adjective, of or pertaining to the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Now I got great. Now I got to think of a Doobie Brothers song to sing. I can no, do you don't. Let's uh, let's continue. continue. <laughs> <laughs> taking it to the street, taking it to the street. That's by Michael McDonald. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Gotcha. I like what I know I'm gonna think of taking it to the street. Taking it to the street, and this is where you put the actual song. <laughs> yeah, we'll drown no, you I'm out. I'm gonna make it clash. <laughs> Uh, let's also talk about the dialogue. Yeah. Because... Well, we kind of already did. We already did, but... Sort of. We did not yet uh, give me the opportunity to say more quotes. I Please, okay. I love these quotes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so in the that in that flashback episode where they show Ingrid going to the school for the first time, and she's under... You know, they're watching her for suspicious activity. Um, Fillmore brings Parnassus, the, the, his new partner, and... The, he absolutely threw a shit fit with uh, Vallejo about, I don't need a partner. From now on, I go solo, which was great. Uh, but they, they, they're they watching Ingrid for suspicious activity, and so they're outside near a bank um, where he says, this is Ingrid's route to school, and contrary to popular belief, the walls don't have ears. They have eyes, Parnassus. <laughs> End of sentence. <laughs> uh, but my favorite... My favorite, uh, my favorite uh, spoof so far is it's the beginning of an episode, and they're doing a sting on somebody who is uh, blackmailing somebody for their baseball cards. So there's like this little remote-controlled truck that drives up for uh, uh, to uh, to talk to this kid, and it goes, "Good morning, Francis. Please p- place your baseball card collection on the back of the truck." How do I know you'll give me back my retainer? You don't. And it just drives away. <laughs> Which is just, oh. Josh, Shall do you have any uh, favorite quotes? Uh, it's a quote that stays with me because and it's it really isn't from the. It's really uh, it stood out to me at the time because I thought, wow, this is even at the time I remember thinking this is kind of dated. Is uh, the cheerleading coach says uh, she's encouraging the cheerleader? This is during a chase scene uh, where they've formed a pyramid. Cheerleaders have formed a pyramid, and she says, "You're as solid as a geo dude using its hardened attack." Oh my god, are you serious? She says that, and again, I, even at the time, I remember thinking, even at the time, I remember thinking, this is kind of dated. Like, and this isn't deep. Like, that is not a line that belongs to the show. That's a line an intern slipped in. <laughs> and honestly, that's not something that geo dude is known for. Let's go with Metapod, maybe. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's a great one. Ingrid says, um, "Elliot." Elliot says, "Yeah." Here's your candy back. Ellie goes, whoa. And Ingrid says, you should stay away from that stuff. It's real bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There, There's a, one episode where um, Fillmore is interacting with like an old flame of his and they like have a little date. And oh, the chicken was dry. Zane, I yeah. just put this. I just put that in the Skype channel. I just oh, really? Yeah, I put the YouTube link to the chicken was dry. It's like a 30-second clip, and I have no context for it. What this little caption that on that clip that you're giving is Fillmore telling the broad how it is. <laughs> I still have feelings for you. Can't you look the other way? Just this once. 
You played me for a sucker, Penny. I'm not going out like that. Not for you. Not anymore. Be at HQ first thing in the morning. Don't make me come get you. And one last thing, baby. That chicken was dry. Real dry. Do you uh, know... I ask this only because it's the meme on the internet. Do you know who came up with that chicken was real dry? I don't even know if you remember it. That chicken was real dry. No, um, no I think that was a scum. You know, I think that was... I mean, in those punch-up ribs, I, you know, could have come from any one of us. Once he finds out the truth, he's like, the chicken was dry. Oh, you cut her to the quick, which is apparently a part of your fingernail that I did not realize. Cut it to the what? To the quick. When you say so you've, oh. you've cut me to the quick, uh, the quick is like a part of your cuticle that starts being sensitive or something. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I, it's like a it's like a Shakespeare thing, I think. I chew on my quicks. Okay. Okay. That's no less gross than just chewing on your fingernails, in case you were wondering. I think it is. <laughs> okay. But when you start uh, chewing on your toenails, that's when you know you got a problem. I do have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Ew, we, we use a that. thing. Use a, what, a thing. nail clipper. You shouldn't chew on that stuff. It's yeah. bad for you. <laughs> uh, I wanted to mention the catchphrases. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this? Crackers and disco. Was there could, another one that I don't Could be remember? better. Yeah. Uh, Fillmore says dog. Dog. Just dog. I, I like crackers. I think it, it makes her sound very like 1920s or 30s. Yeah. It makes her sound like a like a like a genteel supervillain to me. Crackers was one of the other expletives that Jimmy Olsen was allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Dang nabbit. Consarnet. Consarnet's a good one. Uh, I, I kind of like these because they are very clearly like um they're very clearly neutered expletives from a cop drama so like instead of motherfucker or anything like that he just says crackers okay yeah disco sort of like what they actually did on the they actually did that on i guess battlestar galactica where they invented words to replace expletives because yep it's the 70s we can't say the f word we have if you're you're in sci-fi you're just allowed to do whatever you want yeah it's utter feldegarp and you know it Um, yeah, d- dialogue really good. Catchphrases. I mean, if you have to have a catchphrase, these ones work fine. I, I don't think we've frequently done a show th- where every part of it is contributing to the whole as well as the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think the catchphrase phrases do a lot for it, but it didn't get in my way. Like anything that doesn't actively go toward the parody aspect is just passable. Kind of. Yeah, like those are like speed bumps, but it's not going to stop me. It's not yeah. like a brick wall in my way. It's incidental. exception for Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, well, yeah. But, it, like, he, he's brief enough appearance that I, like, I was able to, to write it out. But, yeah, I, like, just so consistent. It's just giving me exactly the thing that it promised me in the intro for five and a half minutes, which is, we're going to give you that cop parody, <laughs> and you're going to eat it up. And I did. I mm-hmm. feel like if there had been a third season, there would have they, they would have uh, developed more of jimmy olsen slash the other safety patrollers i feel like they would have each gotten an episode at some point i don't know if i would have needed that i think fillmore and ingrid and vallejo can kind of carry the can carry the bulk of the show pretty well i don't know if if fillmore took over as commissioner and now he has to manage these people and like he's frustrated because he would rather just be on the 
Uh, well, I, that, I, sounds, I figured, that sounds like a real sixth yeah. season Dexter to me. Yeah, I, I feel like they wouldn't do that though. I feel like the, again, I said this before. I feel like season three would be identical to seasons one. And I, two I think and you, so I think you're right. I think it's possible, but it would be weaker to have him yeah. kind of move up in rank. I think it would be the same as seasons one and two, and I am perfectly happy with that possibility. <laughs> yeah, that hypothetical would thrill me. I would love that. I guess people want to know, do Fillmore and Third eventually become a couple? And my answer is no. probably not. Probably not. Fuck no. Yeah. They're partners. They're, that okay. that would really undercut, like, the actual professional relationship that they have that, you know, men and women can have and not have attraction underneath it. Well, that happened on the X-Files, so. But wasn't that famously a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, don't we not like that? <laughs> By season seven, the truth. No, I'm not going to make that joke, Josh. Let Kevin Smith make that joke. <laughs> also, I'm I'm pretty sure Fillmore is a lot like Captain America in that he's like, he's you know, never going to married, married to, the, to job. the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, he almost he almost gets back together with his old flame. I kind of <laughs> that figured, is I, still very funny well, to me. The chicken was too dry. The chicken was. Dry. That sounds not great. <laughs> well, it's the typical. It's the typical line. Well, yeah, I can't believe all those baseball cards got stolen. Don't worry, I'm sure that 4,200 Cal Ripken cards will show up sooner or later. Who said they were Cal Ripken cards? Uh, because you just told me, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just watched Austin Powers again. I did too. <laughs> it's on Netflix now. <laughs> I know, there's no way I'm getting out of bed. <laughs> I don't have the Netflix, I can't watch it. Damn it. Take my account. <laughs> I may take my mom's. Take my flesh that you may live. Take my blood. Watch Austin Powers. Oh, I love that movie. Take my flesh, watch Austin Powers? <laughs> I have no mouth and watch Austin Powers. Which, by the way, in our Catholic school, we actually got to watch Happy Gilmore. So, hmm. you know, In school? We what class that was that? It was like a break and we watched part of it. And I think I wanted to watch Mystery Science Theater because I was a dork. Yeah. And because I already had Happy Gilmore at home on video. Oh yeah. Although when I was in uh, when I was in high school, we actually watched Jerry Springer, so that was kind of cool. And moving up in the world. I, I mean, like grading on a curve, it's cool. Yeah, I guess this is this is a fancy high school. We don't we can't relate to. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah we had yeah it was super fancy. We had a television that got basic uh, uh, TV packages. This was before everything went digital. Mm -hmm. Right. What? We're, the, we're part of the last generation. I don't, well, I don't know if you guys are. I know I am. We're part of the last generation that knows what videotapes are. That's a scary thought. Oh, they're, no. We had, like, Power Rangers and Fraggle Rock and stuff. They're rectangles, right? <laughs> yeah, you got those rectangles. What, what, play, what play speaking music lines on them? You're talking about moving pictures? <laughs> Video gramophones? Welcome to 20s land. Uh, uh, do we have any final thoughts on this show? I think, I think we're all kind of raving about it, but yeah. are there any, like... Yeah, Joshua, you you went back to this, and I'm wondering if like it. I, I don't know if you had a different conception of it the first I, time that you kind of came to it versus now. First, I don't, I'm trying to remember what I thought the first time I watched it. I just remember thinking, "Oh, this is kind of a fun show." When I was like, I guess I would have been 11 or 12 at the time. Um, I don't remember having too much of an opinion on it at the time. Like, I don't know if it never occurred to me. Like. But I feel like even at the time, I remember thinking this is a parody of a cop show. Like, at the time, I kind of feel like 12-year-old Josh was sort of in the know. It says it pretty loud. But I don't, like, coming back to it, I'm like, this is a great parody of a great genre, and I'm super disappointed that it didn't have any closure more than anything. I don't know if, it, I don't know if that's the kind of show that can have closure. It's very, you know, it's very, like, a, a cop drama is almost necessarily 
you know, a crime of the week kind of format. It, I, I can't really envision the cop drama that has a long-standing kind of I, macro plot. I think as long as the characters get like a big win each, you kind of have like a climax for each character. You don't really need a finale. Did Law and Order have a finale, or was it just canceled? I honestly don't know. It's not still on. Ice T took no, over. It's... <laughs> I think that, like, some spinoff... Well, now i got to look it up. Thanks, guys. You don't have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you think you do. <laughs> Law, I think Law & Order SVU may still be on, but regular Law & Order I know is done. Yeah, which is a shame, because I like that one far more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the only person who does, but that's okay. It's so cool to hear people, you know anyone talk about the show i i honestly feel it was one of those gems that didn't get as much you know much as much accolades as it deserves but it's the kind of thing that now i feel like if someone gave that thing another push yeah i think kids would like it you I know agree. i agree 100 percent. i think they're smarter now because of the phones and everything and i think they would understand a lot more too, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially after things like Stranger Things and things like that that we, that I saw when I was a kid with like smart kids and stuff. So a show about smart kids would be awesome. In any case, I love the show. I think it's really awesome, and I wish I had had it a little bit earlier in my life. I'm probably going to end up watching more of it later. Like it's that good. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a it's it's a pretty th- high threshold to get us to watch the show after we do the podcast episode. I'm not done with this show. <laughs> you guys weren't super eager to finish Sonic the Hedgehog like I was. No, I was pretty done with Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> the second I turned it on. <laughs> or as uh, but, Sally calls him, Sonic Hedgehog. Sonic, Sonic Hedgehogman. Never realized it was his last name until I watched that show. That's bizarre. That would be don't, like if my last that, name was Sonic. human. <laughs> Or if my last name was Hedgehog. Uh, yeah, I've been keeping a secret. No, th- this show is really great. I-, I think we jumped around a lot in the reasons that it was great and, like, telling you guys about the show. I would definitely give this, like, my carton cast seal of approval, which is shaped like an egg, and uh, tell everyone who's listening to go watch Fillmore if they have any interest in the cop genre because it's brilliantly put together and it really nails exactly what it's going for. Yeah. And if you don't want to show your kids uh, Starsky and Hutch because, you know, that show had drugs and pimps, you can show Just them show this. them Stroker and Hoop, the I, animated version I of it. I am very curious how kids <laughs> at the time or even today would, like, if you're an older sibling saying, like, Got, listen, younger kid, you gotta watch this show. It's really great, and like you don't understand why it's great, but you're happy that they're happy. Like how how does a younger person? What's the age limit for this show? I feel like the I feel like I don't know. I feel like young kids wouldn't get it though. But at the same no, time, I got it. Again, I, I didn't think... watch this show as a kid. It was on opposite the WB and opposite yeah. Kid Survivor, so I didn't get to. I'm, I I, like, I feel like I, it's fourteen and up. Yeah. I think it's your 14 to 17 range is, yeah. is your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think maybe, is sadly... Maybe even bleeding into, like, late teens. Sadly, I think is one of the main reasons the show didn't do super well. Almost um, certainly, yeah. And, that, like, I think it's very well known that that was the reason. I don't think that... I've, I've looked around a little bit for reviews. There's no one saying that the show was just incompetent in any way. Like, or that it wasn't quality in any way. The, this, this show, like, I think a modern audience... like. 
a, a modern kid who's like fueled up on irony in Fortnite, I think could oh, appreciate yeah. this show a lot more than than a kid of the same age when this came out. Yeah, yeah. There, I think that like the meme generation could definitely appreciate this show a lot more than previous generations. Yes. Yeah, this show was ten years too quick or too soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too smart for its time. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. I would love to see how it would. Uh, just just from a kind of like a business standpoint, I'd be very interested to see how it would trend today as opposed to when yeah. it was out. Well, let's boost the signal. Well, the, we can do the best we can to uh, tell everybody out there, please go watch Fillmore. I think this is probably somewhere in the top 10 of the shows that we've done. Like, this is extremely really? good. Like, okay. Yeah, was, yeah. I'm shocked. I, I would I would have easily put a lot of shows that you guys wouldn't put in the top 10 in the top 10. But let's again, I let's love this show. Rank all of them. All right. <laughs> All uh, 100 top. First one, Generator Rex. Second, Cheap and Good City. I, okay, I gotta be honest, I love Generator Rex, unironically. You but are granted, wrong to do so. I'm, granted, I'm very, I haven't seen can it you, since I was can, like 20. So. Uh, it's getting to be a little late, but if you could like write an essay and submit it to me, I would love to like go walk through your arguments. It was like Yeah, that would be an unshelled segment. You can... You can defend Generator Rex. Can you Rex guys have us. a debate? Anyway, I would we, love we, we a debate with Joshua. <laughs> we'll do that in a, we'll do that in the future. It'll be Carton Cast debates, or we can that'll do that. Be a, that'd be the only be... way I would do the political podcast would be if it was a debate about this. <laughs> oh my god! Hosted by Cocktail Party Congress. Yes, we Perfect. can set it up. Which We're sucks because I don't drink, so I wouldn't. I'm not allowed. Well, no, I kind of don't want to go on a political podcast. I will drink for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, let uh, Zane, you are right. It is getting pretty late, so let's wrap up shop. Uh, Joshua, thanks so much for coming on. Do you have any closing, uh, you know, do you have any plugs that you want to say one more time? Or, Just uh, the JM Archives. I'm doing a podcast related to game shows now called Game Show Fans Podcast with Josh and Danny. Oh, great. Uh, that's online as well. Uh, but all these podcasts, every podcast I've ever done is on YouTube. So, uh, And people bitch about that. Like, why isn't it on SoundCloud? I'm like, because we're not smart enough to put it on. I, I I listened to you on um, Amusement Sparks talk about uh, MXC, yeah. and I when you get into something, it is very interesting because you just have a completely fully formed conception of things that you just can lay out for people. Uh, and so, like, I don't even know if you guys got to talk about the amusement park. You're just really into it, and and so it's very fun to hear you um, hear you talk about things that you really like. And there's stuff yeah. he cut from it that was like not appropriate. Um, <laughs> I guess like I'm, uh, I'm not shocked. Well, I was talking. Well, I was talking because I've met. Like, do you guys know what MXC is, right? Yeah, you know. Extreme Elimination Challenge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I've talked with people that were on the original show in Japan. Oh wow. Uh, who who years later saw themselves in America on MXC, <laughs> and I, I just like it's it's always interesting to talk to them because it's like this one guy was living in Japan. He was like an architect. He was living in Japan. He did. He was Caucasian, so he got to do this episode where it's like, you know, I was a fun thing I did. I got like $800. You know, it was a cool thing I did. And years later, like, I learned that MXC is a thing. And I, I haven't seen the episode. Like, can you send me, send me the episode? <laughs> like, I, I don't remember being in this show. <laughs> and I sent him the episode, and I just can't imagine. It's like, I have sex with pubble horses? What? It's going to be awkward when you go to work the next day. Like, oh, God. It's going to be awkward for the rest of your life, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for reaching out. Hopefully this was uh, helpful in any way. <laughs> no problem. I don't feel rude asking this, but I'll ask it anyway. Does Langley, can Langley Turk come out to, to talk? <clears throat> hey, let me see. All right, you. You need to shush it. Shush it right now. I do not do 
podcast. I'm way too busy catching the students all day long. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite things to do on that show. Obviously, it was great. I got to help write the episode and then uh, then be a character. So it was really cool. Um, ben, what are we watching next time? Uh, next time, Zane, we are watching G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. That is the first G.I. Joe cartoon that came out in 1985 and spawned numerous memes that I'm sure we'll be happy to take on. Not mm-hmm. like those fake American heroes that you know, DC and Marvel made. No, the, the, <laughs> the, fake, the fake American, the, yeah. So these are the real American heroes as opposed to the fake any other nationality of the world heroes. Uh, and Zane, what are we doing after G.I. Joe? Well, Ben, it's that time of year again. It is time for the Cartoni Awards, our fifth annual Cartoni Awards, back and better than ever. Uh, Joshua, do you have any um, categories that you'd like us to consider for this year's Cartoni Awards? Um, best Josh McCloud quote. Uh, best Josh McCloud moment. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh McCloud, um, best glamour shot. Sensing um, a theme. Josh McCloud sings his hits. <laughs> um, <laughs> best uh, theme song version as sung by the cast. So you guys have to sing the theme, or you can have me on to sing the theme. <laughs> Our best um, version of singing a theme song? Yeah. <laughs> like, we have, to go, we have to go through and try singing all the theme songs and then say which one we think we did the best <laughs> so, job So at. to summarize your question, <laughs> so to summarize your answer, Joshua, no, you have nothing to suggest. <laughs> I have nothing to I can't think of anything other than best genre parody, which this would win down. This would win. Ooh, we also got Clone High. I don't, I, oh, that would be a contender. Hmm. Hmm. I, ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I would pick well, this, but I'm biased, so. Well, Joshua McLeod and anybody else who might be listening, if you have anything to suggest for the Cartoni Awards, go to our Facebook page or our website at cartoncast.com and go ahead and uh, suggest something for us to talk about for the Cartoni Awards. You can also go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. If you like the show, you can go ahead and tell us what you like about it and uh, give us a good review so that other people know that we're great, just like we do. Um, And then, uh, Zane, what were the other things that I generally do? Tell your friends about the show. Ah, that's the one at the end. I was hoping for other ones. I, I thought that I missed something. Are there I others? I don't think so. Okay, and more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. Okay, we got it. Fail more. Doom, 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 doom.